The data is on its way. Is it? Is it receiving? Is it receiving? Check, check. Let's find out. Yes, yes it is. Hello everybody. Good afternoon. It is the 11th of April, 2021. Oddly enough, my mother's birthday, strangely enough, but nonetheless. I hope everyone's doing well this afternoon. Thank you for dropping by and uh, hope you're having better weather. Uh, in your neck of the woods, but um, we're going to talk about Bitcoin, uh, cryptos as a whole, and th th we're going to sort of center around the banning, although I'm not trying to limit it to any particular topic, but uh, I, I would like to talk about the banning aspect of things. And I'm going to bring, shockingly, I guess to everyone, uh, a little bit uh, of uh, uh, a few facts to bear, a few bits of reason and evidence to bear uh, on this question, because uh, I think it's uh, obviously pretty... Uh, pretty important. So with results, uh, sorry, with the question of uh, banning as a whole, uh, first of all, there's a lot of momentum in Bitcoin, right? So every day that the Bitcoin price stays around 58K, total market cap grows by about $52 million. So uh, Bitcoin's price is flat, it's still growing. So if Bitcoin stays at 58 through the end of the month, it feels stagnant to those of us used to the crazy roller coaster. But the total market cap will have grown by about a billion dollars or 0.1%. Uh, Bitcoin is now larger than the GDP of Mexico, which uh, 1.14 trillion versus GDP of Mexico, 1.13 trillion, of which about 1.12 trillion appears to be people trying to get across the border. So the issue of who has it is, is really, really important. If the powers that be have it, if politicians have it, if, if people who have a lot of wealth have it, then, as I said before, they're going to put a lot of pressure on government to maintain that level of value. Right? It's really, really important to understand. We don't have the ear of the Fed. We can't sort of, you know, hot, hot text Janet Yellen and have her uh, get back to us anytime really rapidly. But the people who have money and power and influence do. And they know for sure that the value of Bitcoin is increasing relative to the US dollar. If you want to see something pretty wild, you can find these charts online where people have compared the value of the US dollar in Satoshis. Because remember, in Bitcoin, you only need 10 Bitcoins to be a billionaire with regards to Satoshis. So I think that's uh, kind of important to, uh, to remember. And there are a lot of people who have Bitcoin who have powers. And I'm going to give you some quotes here as well, right? So SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce has said, and I quote, this was April the 8th, she said, we were past that point of banning Bitcoin in the US very early on because you'd have to shut down the internet. I don't see how you could ban it. Um, <laughs> so I just, I just wanted to put this quote out because I thought it was quite delightful. Uh, if you're a Bitcoiner for a month, you're going to sell your Bitcoin to buy dinner. If you're a Bitcoiner for a year, you're going to sell Bitcoin to buy a car. If you're a Bitcoiner for two years, you're going to sell your Bitcoin to buy a house. If you're a Bitcoiner for five years, you're going to sell your house to buy more Bitcoin. I just thought that was kind of, kind of a, a good, a good, uh, a good quote. So I've got uh, a couple of quotes here as well uh, about people who have uh, who, who has it? And there are some, I'm not exactly sure um, where this information comes from. Oh, sorry, one other quote from Hester Pierce, the SEC commissioner. I don't see how you could ban it. It would be a foolish thing for the government to try. A bigger problem is we'd be missing out on the innovation around uh, Bitcoin. And it's always good to make fun of Google, right? So Google tried to use $6 billion of its treasury to buy Groupon, 
yet it owns zero Bitcoin. <laughs> it owns zero Bitcoins because you see, Google is just stopped by such unbelievably brilliant, uh, brilliant people, right? That's something I'm not going to shed a tear over if Google doesn't buy Bitcoin. I mean, I'd rather keep them out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know. What, what can I say? So let me just uh, dig up, sorry, the quote down here or the quote of who's, uh, uh, who's holding the Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin is now worth more than half of the entire U.S. banking system by market capitalization. But I'm sure it's just a fad. I'm sure it's just uh, a fad. And let's see here. People in the Ukraine, uh, top politicians, uh, journalists, uh, influencers, intellectuals, professors have all been shown to be holding uh, Bitcoin, which uh, I think that's kind of important. And that's the kind of stuff, you know, once you start to get the big ETFs in, the big hedge funds in, the big investment firms in, and once you start to get the ETFs being approved, one in Canada has been approved, doing very, very well then you start to get financial interests invested in the continued success of Bitcoin. Here's the other thing, too. It's just a minor point, but I think it's kind of important, which is uh, everybody's paid tax on Bitcoin. Uh, so what happens if they ban it? Do they owe us all the tax money back? I mean, it would be there would be lawsuits aplenty, right? I mean, they can't just ban stuff they've taxed you on it because then it was completely uh, wrong for them to, uh, uh, to tax you on it, right? So uh, uh, the price surges, too, I really wanted to mention that as well. This is something that's really important for Bitcoin, of course. So as far as price is going, we got steel that's gone up 145%, lumber 126%, oil 80%, soybeans 71%, corn 69%, copper 50%, silver 38%, cotton 35%, coffee 34%, God help me, wheat 25%, FAO food index 25%, cattle 21%. Uh, my friends, there's only one thing that seems to have gone down in price, and uh, that's that's gold. Uh, so, sorry, sorry about that to to some people. <laughs> sorry about that for some people. So, we do have, of course, a lot of people. Uh, Morgan Stanley has, is adding is filed to add Bitcoin exposure to twelve of their institutional funds, and that means that each fund can invest up to twenty five percent in Bitcoin products. Morgan Stanley is also an investor in, in New York Dig, and one of the 12 funds is Counterpoint, which is, is big. So I do think that it's past that tipping point, and it was the kind of thing, it, it was going to be unimportant, and then it was going to get very important very quickly. And the massive debt crisis that almost all countries around the world are facing is one of the things that is driving Bitcoin's price up. And I think it's it's a strange thing to think of that COVID has been so beneficial to Bitcoin because it's ramped up government spending to the point where people are panicking and fleeing into Bitcoin. The fact that the government spending hit the jet fuel so rapidly because of COVID and because of the damage to the economy as a whole, then it's had it moved past the point where it's becoming embedded in, in politics and finance to the degree where it's going to be very tough to get it out. And it happened so quickly, it's, there was no time. I mean, COVID has accelerated government spending by probably a factor of five to 10 years, probably closer to 10 years. And that's huge. And so the fact is that, I mean, it's oddly, I mean, you've got to try and find your silver linings in your clouds where you can. But the reality is that it's hit the gas on the government spending so much that it's vaulted past where you could control it. And now everyone's kind of scrambling to get uh, to get in. So I just sort of wanted to um, to mention that. 
Uh, if it's banned, someone just buys the dip. China owes 75% of hashing power, though. Well, sure, but, you know, that, that's going to uh, <laughs> get solved uh, pretty quickly. So if there is uh, it's, it's people who want to sort of talk about uh, thoughts or uh, experiments with regards, we've got a, a gentleman here from Pakistan who banned it. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when. It was certainly banned as of 2020. He said that's recently been re uh, reversed. We also have people who want to talk about LBRY and their tangle with the SEC uh, because of their... Um, crypto. So uh, this is a time to shoulder your way to the front of the line and, and, and jump in. I'm very happy to have everyone here. We're not going to do intros because there's so many people here on the panel. But uh, if you would like to perhaps uh, the gentleman from Pakistan, introduce yourself briefly and uh, tell us what's uh, what's happened in your country. Um, I have an article open from summer of First, I'll introduce myself. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm just new to Bitcoin. I've been uh, recent. I have heard about it from your channel uh, last year, uh, but at that and at in those years, uh, Bitcoin was banned in my country, and the assumption was that mostly terrorists were using it. So people did mine a bit. I know a guy that he said he mined it a bit, and he had a lot of uh, his Bitcoin on Coinbase, and then he stopped. Uh, looking into it. He didn't understand the technology, he just knew how to ban it, uh, mine it, and he didn't know what it was act actually. And the, a lot of people here in Pakistan are like that. They're just investing into it, they don't know what it is, and then the government is uh, saying its own uh, perspective, uh, like propagating its own perspective on it. Uh, right now, uh, there is this fellow called Vakir, uh, Vakar Zaki, he is uh, he uh, he used, he's a really prominent uh, uh, person uh, influencer here influencer as in he's uh, he's in the media he talks about he, he's like the Joe Rogan here so um, he he's constantly uh, promoting bitcoins and recently he has petitioned he has petitioned a case to unban Bitcoin and the petition is still going on. Uh, I'll share an article, maybe you can uh, read it because Stefan, because my uh, English is a little bit uh, rusty. Uh, I'll share it in the chat. All right, well, thank you, I will, uh, I will look into that. Uh, is there anyone else who's had sort of thoughts or experience or ideas about the, the sort of banning question? We will take general questions from the audience and appreciate you guys dropping by to watch today. Uh, but uh, yeah, feel free to jump in. I want to add to what my friend from Pakistan said before. Uh, in neighboring Bangladesh, they were actually using the same securitization theory to justify banning Bitcoin. The Bangladeshi Central Bank said, quote, transaction with this currency may cause a violation of the existing money laundering and terrorist financing regulations. They pretend it's for your own good. But when they say for your own good, that's when you run away. <laughs> that's my opinion. <laughs> when they say they want to ban it for your own good, buy more. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's no question. Right. I mean, I think they've moved beyond uh, terrorism and child exploitation to environmental issues, racism, uh, sexism and so on. Uh, so that that's a good step forward. I just wanted to mention, too, I absolutely love the fact that environmentalists are not buying Bitcoin. Uh, I, I got to tell you, there's there's a, I mean, there's a lot of things that give me pleasure in life, obviously. Uh, but one of them uh, is the fact that um, environmentalists are leery of Bitcoin because environmentalists are just such intergalactic a-holes uh, who terrify young children in order to expand state power that the fact that they're missing out on something like Bitcoin or crypto because of fears of 
electricity usage. I just think I couldn't be more delighted. That's one of the uh, uh, immense features, uh, not just that your friends and wise people do good, but the people who scared the living crap out of you as a kid by saying the world was about to end uh, are now too propagandized to um, to join the crypto aristocracy that is, is coming. Just wanted oh, to mention that. So, Steph, can I add something to that real yeah, quick? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big advocate of Tezos, though I'm not married to any one particular crypto. You know, I'm if it turns the other way, I'm happy to drop it and, and find something better. Uh, oh, you, the environmental. You the ring. What's you that? The ring. <laughs> What's that, You're MK? Committed. You already bought the ring. You're committed. Oh, no, I'm not. I can sell it and go to the next one. <laughs> All right. So uh, the thing with Tezos is it is a proof of stake chain. And so it is compared to other cryptos, doesn't use a lot of electricity in comparison. And I'm finding more and more of the community marketing it as like environmentally safe, environmentally sound and blah, 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 the same old green expletive. And so I've got to stop and come in and be like, guys, whoa, careful, be very careful because you were inviting socialists into the community when you go green, all right? You're inviting socialists, communists, and you do not, they're a liability. You do not want them as part of the community. You know, so I've had to within within that community pushback. Sorry, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Jared Woodard. You've, I've been in the other crypto channels, and I've just got I've been in crypto for a long time, and share what I know. Hey, I'm John Stewart. I have also been hearing. Actually, I heard today kind of the same argument being made about basic attention tokens. If you if you remember hearing about that at all, so. The, the whole idea behind basic attention tokens is that um, instead of going through this big old chain of middlemen for advertisers and people getting advertised to, they just said, hey, we're just going to skip all that out. We're going to pay you to look at our ads. And with that, the the overhead, every basically everything in the middle there is cut out of the way. It makes it less expensive. They're saying a lot of places that they're looking at at least two times the amount of feedback or rather um results than traditional methods and and with that i mean i've had it technically i've had it since november of 2019 and it put up on on a pole the wallet for it and i didn't really consider it like real money i don't know it was play money until i realized back in february as i was getting into investing in general that i was like wait this might actually be worth something this might be a thing and so with that, I've been, you know, I've had it, I put it in Bitcoin, I put whatever I had in my wallet back in a BAT, and it seems to be kind of going the same way, kind of like what you're saying with, with Tezos. But the great thing about BAT in general, uh-oh, oh, I just heard, okay, somebody muted themselves, sorry. So the great thing about BAT in general is the more advertisers that keep hopping onto this platform, the bigger it grows, and the more people who are jumping onto it in general it's not going to operate in the same method like a usual, I guess you could say like usual pump and dump cryptocurrency would be. It does in the last three months that it's been up on, um, what was it? Blockfolio. I've seen it at least on Blockfolio. It's been pretty consistent. So three months ago, it was at like 17 cents. And now we're trending at at least a dollar 50, I want to say. And it's been reasonable and recent gains on that. And I'm wondering you know, what sort of paradigm, well, I would imagine Bitcoin leads the way on whatever legislation gets passed, but just the different formats like this, I'd like to see how those get legislated as well. Yes. And just for those of you who want to know, you can tip me uh, at freedomain.com. 
uh, you can tip me on the bat system. I've got that all set up. Pedro, how you doing, man? Nice to see you again. So we're just talking about uh, any issues that people have had, and, and somebody was going to join, I'm sorry, I can't remember who, who was going to join regarding uh, the, the library situation. And this, of course, is that they've uh, fought this behind-the-scenes battle with the SEC over their own coins or cryptos. Uh, and uh, somebody was going to come and talk to us about that. And sorry if I forgot who it is, but if you'd like to raise your hand and uh, let me know, maybe they came, maybe they didn't. Uh, I'm not going to dive into it because it's obviously pretty complicated and I would probably get most of it wrong, but I know that they're undergoing this uh, battle at the moment uh, with the SEC. And that, that of course, is, is the issue, right? Um, which is, uh, is it going to get not so much banned, but just kind of regulated into this slow, kludgy, sludgy thing uh, so that the government can introduce its own crypto, right? You know, I'm sure everyone knows that that's what's happening in China at the moment, that they're introducing their own crypto. And what they've got is the ability to have, uh, you, can, you can turn the coins into expiring coins. In other words, if you want economic activity to increase in this Keynesian cocaine manner, then you simply say, oh, your coins are going to expire in 30 days. Uh, or this, n these number of coins are going to expire in 30 days. Use them or lose them. And this way, of course, you don't own uh, you don't own anything. I mean, it's just completely uh, pointless. And, and for the government to have its hand off those levers, which, of course, is what Bitcoin and other cryptos represent, is really, really a most, the most powerful thing, really, that, that's happened in, uh, in currency since they first figured out that you could get gold out of the ground. So I do think that the banning stuff, I think we're past that point. I, I really do. The question is around a regulation, a public disclosure, taxation, and so on. But it's going to have to coexist with fiat for a while, obviously, and uh, governments, uh, if they can tax it, uh, they won't want to ban it, uh, usually. Uh, that's the case. But, um, and I also think that the people who are on the inside, right, the people who, are, who know what the actual numbers are rather than the nonsense that's kind of put out to the general population about inflation and jobs and, and all of that, I think the people who actually know those numbers are looking as hungrily as we are at cryptos because... Uh, they have a place to go, right? I mean, okay, maybe it's not quite as comfortable as the Titanic, but it's a lot more comfortable than the ocean uh, at, at, you know, zero degrees or something like that. So I think they're looking for a place to jump as well, because normally the ruling classes go down with the ship, right? I mean, if you look at the fall of Rome, it wasn't like all the senators got to retire to Tahiti, right? I mean, they, they had to flee with their possessions in their hand when the, uh, the Goths sacked Rome uh, at the end of it all, and they just went out into the countryside, and, you know, a lot of them probably died, and a lot of them had to go from making big speeches at the Senate to uh, milking cows in the middle of nowhere. And so there is, I mean, there's no America to go to anymore, right? I mean, this was the big thing that happened uh, sort of uh, 18th century and onwards is that if you wanted a place to go where you could be free, uh, you would go to America where you would be at least relatively free. Uh, but there's no place to go anymore, right? There's no new America. Otherwise, we'd probably all be there broadcasting from the same room. So because there's no new America, where do people go to retain their value when the inevitable eat yourself, fund the poor, bribe the voters death throes of democracy, which is always ends the same way and usually lasts about 250 years. Where do people go? Well, again, they used to be able to go to America and now what? They have to well, go to I, Bitcoin. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I recently heard a really interesting comparison by this guy named Balaji. He said that the internet is to America what America was to England. Mm. And with the idea of that 
the internet now is where you go for freedom and bitcoin really encompasses that and i mean i don't know what what they'll actually do but i could very much see a type of revolutionary war situation where the government declares war on bitcoin so to speak and i don't think we're there yet but that's like the final boss for bitcoin in my opinion and i think there's still a lot of attack vectors i i don't think that's gonna i don't think that's gonna happen because uh, as you know pakistan and india and bangladesh we we tend to not use credit cards we tend to use cash and so a lot of transaction happens uh, is not there is no ledger of of it there is no it's not written it's like a hand to uh, it's like verbal and hand to uh, hand to hand so what happens is a lot of taxes is missed they can't tax tax a lot of stuff so they're actually for, uh, when concerning crypto like pakistan is now actually excited about crypto because they can look at the ledger and see who has spent what Mm. so they are actually pushing crypto now no, they are not pushing crypto now but they are talking about uh, bringing in their own currency so that uh, to curve corruption uh, quote and quote um, so well, and, i don't and this, going yeah. this this is the carrot and the stick that staff has brought up many many times uh, the crypto community will essentially in a way pay governments to leave them alone and if they don't they'll get the stick you know in general I think well, we can yes, probably I expect. Think, I think, sorry, go ahead. I think we can probably expect something like a 1930s type gold reclamation situation. They're going to probably institute a centralized Bitcoin where they can track the ledger of every transaction that's ever happened. They'll mm-hmm. incentivize you to sell your Bitcoin for the centralized currency. You'll sell it for what amounts to nothing, and then the elites end up with the lion's share of the Bitcoin. Yeah, I, but, I, I mean, what happens like, in that situation is if if that were to happen. People create their own other currency and just uh, that FedCoin gets devalued. Gets If nobody wants FedCoin, its value effectively goes to nothing, well, just like can, the dollar. Yeah. They control yeah, all the true. on-ramps like exchanges. Like if, if they were to, theoretically speaking, ban Coinbase, ban Gemini, ban any of the fiat on-ramps, then that, that would be a significant blow. Again, like as, as point Steph's made, though, like we have a lot of uh, very wealthy people interested in that not being the case. Uh, and that That's only true. grows exponentially over time. And this the, is one of those yeah, things the, where people, the, the, people sorry, demonize the, and hate rich people, but they're kind of covering their backs here. Well, and look, you, you can't just go and destroy people's value. I mean, you know, it's not it's not uh, Soviet Russia. Right. I mean, so you can't just pass legislation to uh, destroy people's value without fair compensation, right? Like the government can't just take your house without at least giving you fair market value for it, right? They have to. And so if if people have, as we know, well over a trillion dollars invested in, in Bitcoins, then uh, the government can't just come and ban it. I mean, there would just be so many lawsuits. There would be uh, so much pushback. There would be such a grim battle because people aren't just going to sit there and say, oh, well, some guy in, in, in Washington said something, so I guess I'll say bye to my $100 million. Like, they, they would uh, invest. And the other thing, of course, is that even if they banned it in one country successfully, <laughs> it's pretty portable. <laughs> it's one of the big benefits, right? You get to 12-word phrase, you go someplace, and... What will happen now is that there will be a race for Bitcoin friendliness. You know, I've got some, I would imagine Singapore probably going to go this way or something like that. But there is going to be a race for Bitcoin friendliness. Like the first the first country that writes acceptance of Bitcoin into their basic law, their constitution is almost going to rule the world in a way, right? 
And so uh, if, if governments allow for the payment of taxes uh, in, in Bitcoin and they say we're never going to ban it, uh, then other countries are going to be much more loath to do so because one of the reasons why Europe failed in the 20th century was all the smart people went to America. And in the same way, you know, the, the smart, productive tax cattle, you don't want a big gaping hole in the fence where they go rushing off to some other place uh, where they say, hey, you bring three Bitcoins, we'll give you citizenship in 24 hours and we'll guarantee that it will never be taken from you. Uh, Is there a candidate? Uh, it's pretty compelling. And, and there are going to be governments who want to do that, uh, not for reasons of altruism. They also may want to do that because they themselves, the government owners, the government politicians and, and so on, the media moguls, they themselves have Bitcoin and they want to maintain its value, which means that they're going to give safe haven to Bitcoin refugees. So there's a, I think there's a lot of complicated stuff that's going on. It's one of the reasons why Janet Yellen wants this universal corporate tax, so they can just keep cranking it up. But the competition between governments for more tax-friendly environments uh, is only limited at the moment by citizenship restrictions, and any intelligent government would simply say, yeah, you come here, you prove that you have uh, three Bitcoins, uh, and you can get citizenship in 24 hours. Uh, you can be a, you know, fully participate in the society, and you're, we're never going to take it from you. I mean, it's, uh, uh, th that's without a doubt uh, that, you know, they're, they're not smart, but they're cunning, right? <laughs> and, and that cunning aspect of self-interest is going to, I think, be, be the case. I just want to chip in there. First of all, you said intelligent government, and that's a bit of a contradiction, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying that. But no, no, secondly, the, the, the government intelligence agencies. I mean, it's right there in the title, man. Mm -hmm. go ahead, just kidding, go ahead. I wanted to ask, is there a candidate for a country that would be so Bitcoin friendly? Because I, I really can't think of one, certainly not the UK. Like the UK seems to be headed in the opposite direction. I can only speak for the UK, but I don't know about if, if any it, other... It probably won't be any of the mass immigration countries because the mass immigration countries are buying votes through fiat, which they wouldn't be able to buy through crypto. So uh, it will be a country that is not mass immigration friendly at the moment. And um, so I, I don't know exactly where that would be. Uh, I've actually looked not into that. I looked into that actually kind of a lot. Um, I have a friend who's trying to get out of the United States. So we were looking for places that are crypto friendly. And you're kind of, uh, let's just say, skewing the, uh, the, the tail of the IQ spectrum. So you have to go to countries that don't know anything about it, mostly. Uh, and we found that Mexico has zero regulation. They have zero tax on crypto. They have no, they, they don't know anything. The only law they have is that you can't transact in it. A business can't accept a transaction through a cryptocurrency, but they don't, they don't tax it at any level. So if you're a citizen of Mexico and you're pulling off of exchanges from a Mexican IP, you're clean. Hmm. As of now. So, so Steph, I, I think the question is not really, will, will Bitcoin be banned? Will governments ban it? Just kind of like you said, uh, in one sense, we're already past that. They, they can't ban it, but in another sense, they're already banning it. So banning isn't like a binary thing where they're, it's either going to be banned or it's not going to be banned and it's completely free. They are banning it. They have been banning it for years. And the question is, how are they going to continue to ban it, and what methods are they going well, to Well, hang on, hang on, but break down what you, when you say that they've been banning it for years, just help me or <clears throat> other people understand what you mean. Just like what you said, they're regulating it, and that's effectively banning it. Like, very, very, very tight regulations is effectively banning it. Uh, so they know that they can't just come out and say, Bitcoin is banned. That that's not technically possible, and it's not probably even politically possible. But what they can do is they can they can 
kill it by a thousand cuts. You know, they can say, oh, it's a commodity and it's not a currency. So you have to pay capital gains tax on it. And therefore, every little transaction that you make, you have to report. That's in, that's the form of banning it in my mind. I think it's much more likely. I mean, if you think of it sort of like Steph was saying at the fall of Rome, right? The elites go down with the ship. Bitcoin, if, if the elites were to garner enough Bitcoin to to not go down with the ship, that effectively creates a permanent situation of their status, right? So I think it's much more likely that they try and uh, sort of do a little, a few uh, laws for thee, but not for me type of laws where they try and loop in a few uh, programs where the Bitcoin becomes centralized to their control. And then yeah. from there, they have no reason to make it illegal or make it whatever they want to make it. It's more about- Right, they just more. control it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's they're, 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 we're past banning it. They just want to control it at this point. And so well, they're going to use every means possible to try to get control over it. And, and whether that's like, oh, let's let's do a, a, a PSYOP so that we can convince everybody that high fees is a good thing. And therefore, everybody's going to be leaving their Bitcoin on an exchange and custodial service. Now they've controlled. Now they're essentially controlling it. They might not be outright banning it, but it's effectively the same. So the way I think it would play out politically goes uh, a little something like uh, like this. So we have, uh, you know, two, two. There will be two groups of people in society: the people who have, and I'm going to just use crypto. I mean, I'm in Bitcoin in the short run. So people who have crypto and crypto is going to be increasing in value because it's generally limited, of course. And then there'll be people who have fiat. So the the elites are going to want to get into the crypto world and get away from fiat. But there's going to be a mass of people who don't have crypto who are going to have to survive on fiat. And the way they're going to do that is through some sort of universal basic income. Now, there won't be enough value generated in the fiat universe to pay for the UBI. So what they need is Bitcoin to be the workhorse that produces enough value that they can strip it, uh, you know, through the power of the state, they can strip the value from crypto and use it to pay the UBI uh, for the people who don't have uh, crypto. Because, you know, I mean, the, the, um, the labor participation rate in Western economies, I mean, I'm sure you guys have been following this, completely collapsed. I mean, people don't want to go back to work. You know, there, there are people who are restarting restaurants and they send me these emails. They say, oh man, I'm trying to restart. I'm trying to get my cook back. My, I'm trying to get my waiter, waiters back. And they're like, forget it. Why, why would I want to come to you? I was making 400 bucks with you. I'm making 500 bucks a month from the government. I don't have to work and I have to pay taxes. There's no way. So what's happening through uh, people being out of the labor force and people changing their spending habits and saving more, I think that economy is largely done. I mean, there'll be some regrowth and some resuscitation and so on. But I think that the purpose is to keep people's fear level up to the point where they can transition people to uh, UBI, right? So we all, we all, I think, are fairly aware of the IQ issue. And, you know, people in the sort of mid-80s and below, it's not an unsubstantial portion of the American population or the Western population. People with IQs of 85, 83 and below generally don't really have anything to offer a sort of modern economy. So the transitioning of them onto UBI and the maintenance of crypto as the workhorse that pulls the UBI plow, so to speak, I think is going to be kind of necessary because if they don't have the crypto, then the uh, inflationary nature of UBI plus no labor force participation, two sides of the same coin, there's just not going to be enough value for them to pay the UBI and then everyone goes down with the ship. So I, I do see them putting crypto to work to, to fund something like a UBI to, to just keep people 
uh, on the reservation, so to speak. Stefan, that's absolutely right. And I want to support what you just said, uh, especially in the UK. When the furlough scheme was introduced, the number one word I heard used to describe it was holiday. Holiday. They see it as a paid holiday. And like, essentially it is. Like, the thing is, it can last. It's not sustainable. They called it a holiday? Yes, they used the term holiday. Like, oh, okay, just the lockdown holiday, furlough, <laughs> 80% of your wage gets paid. Like, multiple I mean, people yeah. in person that I spoke to see the furlough scheme that was introduced by the government as a holiday. And that wow. is sickening. That is I mean, sickening. you're paying people to not work. Isn't that the definition of a holiday? I guess. <laughs> Technically, it's the definition. No, <laughs> come on. These are people who, look, I've been a manager. You don't pay people to not work. What happens is you pay them a little bit less while they are working, and then you pay them while they're not. But, you know, you don't get right. a holiday without actually having first worked. You don't get to consume without uh, a saving first. But the fact that they're calling it a holiday is, is pretty. And look, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure, you know, we've all, I think most of us have come up pretty, pretty hard, rough and scramble. Most people's jobs really suck. <laughs> you know, most people aren't, you know, ripping code and, and making memes uh, um, in, in the Bitcoin universe for, for fun and profit. Most people uh, have jobs that they hate with bosses that they hate and customers that are difficult in environments that are unpleasant. And they just want to stay home. Uh, they just want to stay home. And it's going to be really, really hard to lure people back. Uh, especially with if, if they keep this mass migration coming in, it's going to continue to depress wages and people just aren't going to want to go back to work. That's the sort of fundamental political reality that we're still kind of trying to process that, you know, the two weeks, which is now what, 14 months, kind of inevitable, right? But the fact is that the economy has, I don't know, if, you, if you've worked out for a while and then you just don't work out for 14 months, I mean, you're, you're a puddle of porridge. Like, it's just the way things go. And I guess you can kind of struggle your way back into it, but um, people are just getting money for nothing and businesses can't hire, like, they're just not going back. The businesses are going to fold. There's going to be giant corporations. There's going to be a UBI pool of proletariat and then there's going to be the Bitcoin aristocracy. And uh, the political reality of that, sorry, go ahead. The Scottish Greens have already pro proposed the introduction of a UBI scheme. It's not far off, especially in Scotland. Yes. Yeah, because what, 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 politically, what do you do? I mean, this, is, this goes all the way back to Rome. It goes all the way back to like ancient civilizations. It's a very big common problem that when you have a very successful society, you take away evolutionary pressures. You get, oh, and I'm, I'm glad that that's happened, you know. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful thing. But you end up with this giant pool of people uh, that aren't particularly productive. And that's also the result of a terrible educational system and, and all these kinds of things. And what do you do? And I think that the elites are kind of looking at this and saying, okay, well, we used to at least be able to get them out of the house and go to work. Now that's not really happening. So yeah, the UBI thing, because it's UBI or uh, violence, right? Because when people, you know, if their checks stop coming, uh, they'll just take to the streets and set fire to everything they get their hands on. So I would say that Crypto is an integral part of how the relatively unproductive people in society, and I simply mean economically unproductive, and I'm sure they're wonderful people in their own way, but just economically they can't generally produce more than their worth. What do you do with the with those people? And I think that they're going to use crypto as the workhorse. They're going to harness it and use it for UBI. And if they ban, I mean, if they ban Bitcoin, then it's just fiat. It's fiat or bust. And we all know where fiat is standing. Uh, at the moment, so I just don't see banning crypto. Uh, it's like shooting your last, the only, the last horse that's going to provide you food for the winter in terms of being able to plow your crops. And Steph, I've got a question for you. 
Okay, so you've been saying a lot that like we're going to get two people in society, two groups in society, those are crypto and those who don't. Okay, for the general wage labor person out there who's just kind of getting this message, getting an idea of what's going on, uh, maybe they have a little bit of experience or not a lot of experience in the job market, they don't exactly have a career, what would you tell them? How, how, what would you tell them to do now to make sure they're one of those people who are on the right side? They're not, uh, they're not dependent on the government and they've got crypto in their hand when that time comes. What would you tell them to do now to leverage? Get, get, get crypto in your hand. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean the, 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 there's going to be this divide between the people who have crypto and the people who don't. And I used this statistic way back when we were starting out. But um, if you had uh, you know, bought uh, a, a Starbucks coffee's worth of crypto, you know, seven or eight years ago, you'd be sitting on $100,000 or more, right? I mean, so, uh, it, it, and it's still early, you know, people say, oh, 60k Bitcoin, it's like, no, 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 it's 0.06 of a million Bitcoin, think of it as a fraction of a million rather than 60,000, which I guess seems like a lot for people, but um, uh, that's why, and you don't have to buy a lot, you know, uh, it, it, the Bitcoin is a completely arbitrary measure for like 100 million sets, right? You can just buy a small amount, uh, you can uh, educate people. I mean, this is like, literally, winter is coming, you know, like, <laughs> gather ye nuts while you may, uh, and store them up. And so, uh, yeah, just get a hold of, of it. It's, it's, you know, it's cheap now, I think, compared to where it's uh, where it's going to be, but that would, I'm, I'm happy to hear other people's thoughts no, no, about yeah, this, I, but that's I'm in on this too. Here, here John, yeah, go over. ahead, John, and I'll then I'll, I'll go after you. So just during the week this week, my wife and I were talking uh, about this sort of thing, or at least in the realm of it. <clears throat> so what we decided to do is there's a certain minimum amount that my wife would like to have in the bank account just to, you know, to feel safe. Is that her? Okay. I'll try and be quiet. Is she just telling you to raise it? Just like right now, live in the show. Double it, man. Double. I know, right, right. No, so basically everything except this minimum safe safety net number that she likes to, you know, like to see go in, I can put into, you know, a cryptocurrency and I have it in, in, well, I have it in GameStop too, but yeah. Uh, but between those two, and I'm going to be increasing it on, on my cryptocurrency side, we are, we're getting into it. You know, I'm at a, I'm at a, an income level that's, you know, it's not amazing. It's, it's okay. But at least at my level to whatever degree that I can, I'm putting stuff in. So if somebody out there is like me, you know, I've got two kids, I've got, you know, I've got my wife, I've got all these, um, responsibilities and I can't I can't do a suicide stack of ten thousand and you know just live out what was it what was that guy's story? It was a he had been living with a Vietnamese family paying five hundred bucks a month and dumped pretty much everything he could. He only made thirty two thousand a year. He put forty thousand in on Bitcoin and I mean he's great. And then obviously in the comments there there's a a lady basically complaining like why am I not in the same situation as you? And it was just kind of absurd because she was wanted to spend money on whatever. But anyway, so if anybody's starting out working, I'd recommend build up your suicide stack, so to speak, and pump it all into. I mean, Bitcoin. Sorry, I hate my marketing brain says that you might want to rebrand suicide stack. Right, uh, there's so, going to be. I love suicide stack. A little stack. bit more. So I it's love not suicide that they put stack. like two coins You'll on your eyes when you're dead or something. But yeah, no. So essentially, what it is is just a nice big old chunk that you can afford to put in there so we'll make it our let's Yolo see here fund. suicide stack is amazing comfy games we could say our our yeah comfy games uh there's there's names there's people who are creative they'll think of a good name 
You're, I don't think Suicide what? Stack's going to be topped. I yeah, love that. It, it, I do love it. I like it Suicide really Stack. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a, I have a question. Sure. I have a question. Um, since uh, 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 pretty recently, we were talking about uh, mass immigration, people moving into the West, and uh, raising tax, uh, rise of taxes and regulations, and all that. I was wondering, and since bit people can take the uh, uh, take this coin anywhere and have a code in their mind, I was wondering, will there be a mass uh, migration like white flight that is going to happen in the future? And like, like in the past, it happened with the um, with the with the Christians and the Ottoman Empire. They moved to the Otto, uh, the people uh, were attracted to the Ottoman Empire because they had less taxes compared to the Christians. Well, I wouldn't right I wouldn't down. call it white flight. I mean, we've got some some good spice in this panel, so I don't think it's necessarily white uh, white flight itself. But uh, I, I would certainly say that the people who saw the crypto stuff coming, who've got invested in the crypto, they're pretty mobile. And, um, I, you know, I don't know about you guys. I'll just give you sort of my emotional aspect to this, is that uh, I am, I am uh, almost physically repulsed by fiat currency. I, I view it as a fuel for war, a subjugation, uh, violence, uh, bribery. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, the, oh, my gosh, what if, what if a few... What if a few criminals use crypto? It's like, well, at least they're private criminals, not people with armies. So I think that my loyalty to the West, you know, I mean, particularly post-deplatforming and all of that kind of stuff, but my loyalty to the West, my loyalty to the sort of historical ideals of the West and so on, diminishes in proportion to which those ideals are vanishing from the West. So for me, if it's like, oh, you know, here's a friendly place, uh, I don't even need that reasonable climate because I live in Canada. So, you know, anything's sort of an improvement. But if there's a, a reasonable place where I can, you know, taste the sweet air of freedom once more, and I, I don't want to speak for anyone else on this panel, but I would say that my loyalty to the soil is kind of diminishing uh, quite a little bit. I'm willing to learn, learn a new language. I'm willing to learn a new culture. Probably wouldn't convert to a religion, but, you know, there's got to be some limits. But uh, I would say that if there is an environment that is very friendly and uh, if there are other environments which are just getting progressively intolerable, progressively probably being the right phrase, um, yeah, I could, uh, uh, I, could, uh, I could pick up stakes. Uh, I, I could move. And I think that motion is going to be uh, a, a pretty important in world politics going forward. It's been so easy. Yeah. It's been so easy now, especially since most people can work from home. I mean, I'm the exception because we've got a teeny tiny place we're in and the kids always want to play with daddy. But um, <clears throat> that aside, I could literally, I could do my job from anywhere in the world as long as I've got a, a an internet connection and with Starlink coming out, or if it's already out, with Starlink, I can do that now. I could literally, I could go in the middle of, you know, middle of the ocean somewhere, whatever islands around there and just do my job and, you know, keep calling, doing whatever I need to do. And yeah, I like, I, I've started, uh, I think back in 2016, I was like, where do I want to settle down? Because I was in Florida at the time and was not liking it at all. And yeah, I started basically looking at higher average IQ and a little better proximity to myself. And that took me further north. You know, those are the kind of things I take into account. And yeah, I'm not 
married to where I'm at. You know, in America, don't you have to push back on that? I would push back on that idea. I, I don't. Uh, I don't necessarily think that a higher IQ place is going to give you what you want. Uh, nothing against it, obviously. But uh, like I said, I think the laws are are going to be first enacted there. The elites are first going to go there because they know that that's where they can get the most from the people who are there. Um, so I don't, I, I don't know if I would factor that in, but I think, yeah. I think see, the, the way I look at it is – and, and, and no, I've, heard the argument, I've heard the argument over the, year, the years of like, you know, for an Arcupulco and the people moved to South America and stuff like that. It's like, well, we can pay off the local cops and the Fed. We can do whatever we want and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but when uh, – when when the the shit hits the fan, uh, who do you want to be surrounded by? You know what kind of people? Because they're going to decide the way culture and society goes and stuff like that. And you know what? I want to be surrounded by people I can reason with better. You, you know? Yeah, that's true. And that's, that's true. Of and, and now, hold on. Where I was living in Florida, I was I was watching this because there was it was a stark difference. And I'm like, my general life experience. I hop into a cab and I ask someone to take me somewhere. And what's that like? You know, how positive or negative of ex- experience is that? And my general interactions with people, like getting like my groceries checked out at the grocery store. Like, was that a positive or negative experience? How hard is it? How competent are they? And then I go somewhere else and I'm like, wow, this is night and day. I love yes. it. And I couldn't, you, I can't, you can't throw enough money to, to like, I couldn't be rich enough to, to change that. I just have to go live somewhere like that. Here, I'm going to take charge. Um, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, thank you. That's one of the things that's also counteracting me from moving anywhere right now with, with what I have. So all of my wife's family, most of my family are here in this little, you know, this little happy valley that we're in. And it, it's amazing. Like, I'd love to to be able to go up every Sunday and visit my wife's family and, you know, just have dinner and do all that. And then every birthday, basically everything everything that is keeping me here is family. And that to me has been because I have a very good relationship with my family, a very strong, you know, pull. I could go somewhere and not have to spend, you know, $250,000 on a one bedroom, one bathroom, 700 square foot house and be beat out by seven other people. But I wouldn't be able to have my kids see family on the weekends. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's kind of tough for me to think about moving uh, because, for example, my kids uh, in the area we live, they can go see their grandparents every weekend. Uh, we have, you know, my family, they have businesses in the area. It's tough to just uh, give all that away and, and move somewhere else, even if it's nice climate or if it's uh, lower taxes. You kind of want to uh, try to keep those other things together. Well, it's, it's, it's a big, it's a big, grand quality of life question, right? Which is, um, uh, there's more to life than money, uh, w- without a doubt. <laughs> there's more to life than money, and you know, having extended family, grandparents around can be great for kids and all of that. But um, you know, a lot of the Bitcoin space people are younger and and uh, single or or don't have kids yet, and they just have a certain amount of of mobility. Yeah, I have a question for the Americans on this call. What, is the New Hampshire free state not an option? Because I've considered it for myself. Great question. I live in New Hampshire. I've interacted with the free state. Got some experience with that. And actually, after this, I'd like to add some of the library stuff because uh, the CEO of a library uh, lives up here. He's in the same kind of social media groups I'm on. And so I get to see some of what he shared from that. Uh, anyway, Okay, so as far as New Hampshire and the free state project, 
look at libertarians in general and they will they'll make you want to tear your hair out okay because like comparing like left and right some of the decisions they make where they go um like the, the state is evil but then they can ignore uh people they, they only focus on the state as evil and they could ignore so more so the personal terrible choices that people make it's like well no that's their their voluntary choices they can do whatever they want but then people who like too much drugs, prostitution, stuff like that. It's like, I don't want to live next to that. I don't want that in my community. I want it. People should be free to do it. They still shouldn't choose to do it, you know? And so, yeah, that's, that's my problem with the, the free state project. Um, you can be both free and a wild degenerate at the same time. And if but, you want to raise a family, uh, it's not a good combo. Yes. And it's like, and if we want uh, freedom in the future, that's a little more case selected. That's a little more conservative. That's a little more family oriented. You know, compared to what we have, you know. Uh, you had something else you wanted to mention? Um, oh, yeah, 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 with the library thing. So uh, from my understanding, someone please correct me if, if you know better. The SEC has been going after various crypto projects for years. Uh, most recently, it's been library. I think they've also accused XRP of being a, uh, a securities, a, a security and so basically, in a nutshell, and don't take this to the bank, what a security is, is where um, you go in and, and you, you uh, sell people on a business or an idea or a venture, and you promise them they're going to make a profit back, you know, implicitly or explicitly. And they're claiming that a lot of uh, cryptos are securities based on the way like people who had an ICO, an initial coin offering, were like, hey, guys, uh, we want to start Ethereum. So go out. And uh, it, just donate Bitcoin to this address and we'll send you Ethereum tokens. And from my understanding, uh, Ethereum back in the day did get hounded by the SEC and settled, uh, you know, and, and it still exists. You know, so it's not a death knell. It's not the end of the projects. It's not the, you know, I think from my end, I think Tezos too had an issue where the SEC came after them about being a security or not. And they settled and it's, you know, it's done in, in the past. Um and so they, they've been apparently, this is what uh, Jeremy Kaufman shared, uh, and, and he did say he wanted to make, make clear that, because I asked him, like, do you mind if I share, you know, this kind of like a private forum, you're sharing this, do you mind if I share it with the world or with other people? And he's like, you know, just make it clear that my thoughts and opinions are my own and not necessarily those of my company library, of course. And so basically share like what a nightmare it's been for him in his per personal life because as these investigation investigations are going on as this stuff is going on they can't talk about it publicly and they've got to keep throwing money at it it's just and it's just an absolute nightmare and kudos to him for maintaining this company and this business and keeping things going while having this state vulture on your neck the whole time um and so yeah that's that that's been but basically what he said was he they finally got to the point where they could make public comments about it and that the SEC was incredibly difficult to work with. Uh, they, uh, they they would not they wouldn't do anything in writing. They would make them do everything over phone Things like terms and ideas and things would change from one day to the next. Uh, and again, take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. But that was that 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 was. From my understanding, the experience I've had with the whole library and SEC thing. And uh, yeah, so it, they can go after different cryptos for being a security. If they do get declared a security, from my understanding, it's not necessarily 
the end of the world for that crypto. It can be yeah. a little bit of a setback. And personally, for the people that are trying to make that crypto grow, it's got it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And it is a way of har- trying to harm the crypto industry by going after these groups, by going after my guy, because it's just, it's horrible. It's terrible to try to do business with this government agency staring down your neck. You know? Yeah, that does seem to be one of the main attack vectors. They did it to XRP for sure, and they're doing it to library. Um, it might even be useful to figure out all of the attack vectors that the state could use because at some point they probably will. Um, and that could that's just be good if you try to ask them ahead of time, like, what can we do to be careful? Then, and it's it's not exactly easy. Now, don't get me wrong. Someone like Bruce Fenton will tell you, like, no, there are clear or there were you know clear enough securities laws that you could have you know figured out and avoided this situation in the future. And who's to say? Like, I don't know that library did or didn't do anything that you know, made them a security or not, you know, who knows by the definition of the state, but uh, it's just. Yeah, I, don't even, I mean, all they can and, and they already have done it. Like they tried frontal uh, attacks and, and trying to discredit the technology and the coin like Bitcoin. They tried to say it's only for criminals. It's only for uh, drug trafficking. It's only for money laundering. Uh, you know, uh, guns or, or uh, weapon trafficking, all that stuff. They've done that. Uh, they've also said it's not money. Uh, they've also tried to tax it with different strategies. Some countries do it more uh, tough. Others try other approaches. But I think they, they, they have tried. They will keep on trying. And to me, the, the most scary thing is that at some point, some of those strategies might work. And maybe uh, the way I see it, maybe the strategies uh, which are more um, probably will work better would be those uh, which are like a Trojan horse or something like that. Not frontal attack, but you know, try to join the movement and derail it. I think that's more likely to succeed and and you know work like in this uh steph your your video the story of your enslavement you know most of the of the evil of the state works because people don't think about it and they think it's good for them yeah yeah, I think well, and, and this is, right, yeah. i'm sorry can go I inject ahead, some positivity what's that uh, can i inject some positivity because i was just going to say there's there's zero track record of governments banning things successfully Right. We've got laws against murder. Those still happen. Uh, We've got drug laws like all this stuff is still happening. So prohibition, you know, in order to get they they can't ban drugs in prison, you know, (laughs) to get to get rid of something decentralized like Bitcoin. Right. You would need every single state. And how many there in the world, like 250 countries to all like agree on something. And I don't think I've ever seen that in my my life. Um, But then if you look at what's happening, right, like. The blockchain is a technology that's in its infancy, right? And now we're seeing things that are being developed on this that are completely decentralized, right? You've got things like Filecoin, which potentially that could be a way, okay, you pay something and you can store a file decentralized across the internet, right? It's not in any one state, GDPR, all this crap, none of it applies. You got the same things happening with Ethereum where you can actually use that network for computing Right. We've got Ethereum name service, which could let you have like, you know, whatever, freedom, ETH, 
And that is completely decentralized. So you can't get deplatformed. So we're in the infancy of like a lot of cool things that are happening here. And I think five to 10 years, right? There's really not going to be stopping this unless you literally shut down the internet. And I think we've already hit that kind of critical mass where like there's too much dependent on the internet that you can't mess with that anymore. I don't, I personally just don't think we're out of the woods yet. I, I think that there's so much vast amount of power, like other countries aside, the United States specifically holding the world reserve currency, how much power that grants them. And I don't think they're just going to roll over without a fight. And I don't, that doesn't mean they'll be successful, but I do think that that is going to, at least in the short term to midterm, hamper things a bit. And they can, like for example one attack vector which i don't personally care about the energy usage like like you use drugs for example they can't ban drugs but they do send helicopters flying over places looking for heat signatures for people who are growing drugs and they raid those houses i'm sorry so can i you... just i think i hear a helicopter no i'm just kidding Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody like if helicopters can scan for heat signatures for people growing drugs they can scan for heat signatures of people mining bitcoin they can attack it i that doesn't mean they will. It's not a foregone conclusion, but I'm still worried about it. I don't think they're going to roll over without a fight. What is the motivation, though? Why? Why? If they have the U.S. government is the second biggest holder. What, of what is the motivation? motivation? <laughs> uh, well, what is the motivation to ban it or make it not usable when they are the biggest beneficiary or the second biggest beneficiary right now? Well, what wouldn't it be used States? more in a way to directly? steal it i don't know how many people have their well, passwords memorized yeah well i mean i do understand well, that yes yeah, the so. same reasons that they confiscated the gold in 1930 and right, that right. people aren't spending their money like people put their money into bitcoin and then they just hold it they're saving well, it they're not yeah, and if we're going to call that was, banning then that's that banning. was at but a time different mm. to me. when people okay. trusted government and the state a whole lot more in general you know, maybe. The, the, I think maybe. people trust the government a lot right now. Yeah, yeah. Jared, I think I no. think Philip White is absolutely right on this. Like, especially at UK university campuses, is like our maybe little echo chamber here where we just delegitimize the state so casually. That's maybe a bit just because you're in the environment, but going outside the environment, especially like I said, UK university campuses, like people just willy nilly just want to throw the power of the state at their enemies, like. They trust it so much to just mm. achieve what they want using coercion that to say fair. that trust in the, the state is at an all-time low is, I think, a falsity. I, I, I That's would fair. disagree. That's fair. We the just state hasn't election. even started, guys. The state hasn't even started <laughs> trying to ban it. I mean, they, they exactly. have been, but they've got way more to go. If you guys think that, that we're done and that it's that this fight is over, <laughs> sorry, but you're mistaken. Well, no, 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 hold on. Now, Agreed. this is the fight of good versus evil. This will never be. Yeah, evil, exactly. Right? Fair. Oh, right. That's a good Fair. point. Yeah. So we're that's in a, this for the long that's a very haul, good point. no matter what happens, because we cannot lose for for the sake of our kids, our the people we love, society, it, it, everything we value. Okay, we're in this for the long haul. We're committed, right? Yeah. So good or bad, I, I hard or difficult key. or easy, like. We're going to be here. Yeah. yeah. And you got to get to a point where you actually enjoy this stuff, <laughs> because if you if you want freedom in your life and it just is super depressing, then you're getting the wrong business being a libertarian. <laughs> you got to find a way to actually enjoy this fight because it's going to be a fight for the rest of our lives. Yes. They're not done. They, they've been go fighting us for a long time. They're not going to give up anytime soon. And so just to bring me, it back to sorry, go ahead. 100 percent. Okay, you go ahead, Steph. Well, I was just going to mention that there are two two types of 
people who have power over us. And again, I don't want to oversimplify, but but I'm going to anyway. So there are two kinds of people who have power over us. One are the people who are amoral profit seekers, right? They, they lie to us about the value of what they provide. They like to tax us. They like our patriotism to the system that they've designed. And they just want a comfortable life with power over us, and they want resources flowing in. And those people are relatively benevolent, <laughs> believe it or not, because when Bitcoin allows them to transfer the value from fiat to Bitcoin, they'll be jumping from the sinking ship to the new ship, and they'll be like, okay, we'll find a way to live with it, we'll just find a way to tax it, we'll find a way to control people, because they just want resources. And that's the farmer. The farmer doesn't hate the cattle. Uh, the farmer just profits. The farmer doesn't uh, sit there and say, oh, I'm going to gouge this earth with a stick because I hate the earth. You know, it's just like, oh, you got to plow the earth. You know, it's, it's, it's not a hateful situation. It's just a tax cattle kind of situation. So that's the one kind. I don't view those as particularly threatening, at least with regards to the Bitcoin space. But <laughs> the other kind, uh, the ideological echo insane communists depopulate the planet and it's personal like they they are addicted to power and and they are you know the the they just want to watch the world burn and they for them to have our money uh is you know the other people you know they like the mafia you know they they don't hate you they just you know they'll charge you 500 bucks a month to not burn your store down but it's not personal they just want the money but this is more like the, you know, psycho bunny boiling ex-girlfriend who's going to report you to the cops and she's not making any money from it. She just wants to do damage. And I don't know, obviously, what the proportion is uh, of, of people. Uh, the, the ideological people, uh, they're the really dangerous ones because you, you can't, I mean, that's just a fight. I mean, you, you can't, there's no compromise there. There's no, oh, I'll just give them 20% of my income or 50% of my income and they'll just leave me alone. The ideological ones, and they do seem to be kind of gaining the upper hand through this woke ideology stuff. But yeah, if, if the goal is, you know, radical depopulation of the planet for insane, psychopathic, quasi-environmental reasons, uh, then, you know, the fact that Bitcoin's going to make them wealthy, I'm afraid that's not going to be enough. <laughs> you know, whereas the other people who just want our money, it's like, okay, here's the money and, and away you go. So uh, I'm not sure if you guys think that's a reasonable analysis, but that's sort of where I see these these two power structures uh, in, in the world. I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, sorry, I'm just wondering um, how much, how many uh, governments are goating, it, uh, goating each other to ban Bitcoin? It's like, a, uh, I'm, I'm imagining a game of chicken where each government is for like uh, cracking each other, each other to ban Bitcoin and regulate Bitcoin so that they can have all the people and all the Bitcoin for themselves. Or do you think that would be happening? Well, I think what it is, what Steph said earlier was that it, there's a competition right now to make it more, morally, more widely available because as it's flowing more, they can always just snatch some out of the stream themselves, so to speak. At least if I've understood you properly, Steph. Muted. They can Steph, you're muted. The Sorry, if they want to, if they want to snatch it off of themselves, then it doesn't really, it's not really worth that much, right? So Bitcoin has to be decentralized. Bitcoin has to have a wide bunch of holders in order for it, or any crypto, in order for it to have any any value. Like there's this old Dilbert comic from way back in the day before there were cell phones or anything like that. And he said, uh, he's like, hey, I bought the first video phone. And his dog is like, is, is, there, is there anyone else who has it? No. 
well, mm-hmm. what's the point? And he's just staring at the screen of static. He's, I think I saw something, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> if you're the only one with a video phone and nobody else has it, then the network effect is, is irrelevant, right? It doesn't, doesn't, it, it, or the network effect is not leveraging the value. So if the government scoops up more and more Bitcoin and it's not used to store value, because people won't use it to store value if the government keeps taking it. So the only way is that uneasy equilibrium relationship where you're letting people keep enough value that it's worth them going into it, but you're also scooping up, uh, scooping up enough value that it's worthwhile for you to, to have other people use it. So uh, I think it's going to sort of fall in that whatever sweet spot that never stays politically stable, but I think that's, uh, that's where things are going to land. So the, the, success, to... the success story for Bitcoin is the same as for Uber. You need, you need to just make it really popular with a lot of people really quickly. And then it becomes politically unfeasible to ban it. Um, but it's actually, it's, it's kind of a critical, a, a critical amount of people. Like if you have, let's say Bitcoin's something like a trillion dollar uh, asset right now collectively. So if you have a thousand people owning a, a million, uh, a thousand people owning a billion dollars worth of crypto, that's easy to ban. If you have a million people owning a million dollars worth of Bitcoin, that's harder. But if you go all the way to the other extreme where you have, you know, a thousand people or, or a, a billion people owning, well, let's say a trillion people owning one Bitcoin, one dollar, then it's easy to ban as well because nobody cares about it because you have to have some kind of a concentration. Like people have to have a significant amount of, of this in their, in their holdings for it to be a significant amount of people with a significant amount uh, of holdings, but either extreme is actually not good. I still the balance to be, uh, to be met there. And like every day we're onboarding more and more people because it's not just Bitcoin, it's crypto in general. And like every day, the market cap, the total market cap's growing right now, at least, you know? Yeah. And just be, speaking back to the, the, the people that Steph was referring to, like just the people that, you know, they just, they just want, they're they're not ideological about it. They just want it to, you know, number go up, and and I'm happy. Um, the big problem with that is when the number starts going down, and then it's then it becomes easy to for the governments to come in and say, look at this. This is this is hurting a bunch of people. We need to come in and step up, step in and regulate this industry as a, as a whole. Yeah, but that's that's the same song and dance they've been playing, and like these are cycles of them. Just like whenever, like before the show, we're talking about banning and stuff. I'm like, this is like these countries they ban it one one year, the next they've unbanned it, and it's just it's the same old song and dance, and they're ultimately unsuccessful. Don't get me wrong, it's inconvenient, it has a negative effect here in the moment, but in the long run, good luck, guys. Um, as far as like the the number go down, and then the government's got to come in and help. They've been doing that before. And, uh, and it's an opportunity number go down. Okay. That guy who's flipping subs and not making a whole or flipping burgers and not making a whole lot of money. Now he's got an opportunity to get a lot more crypto, you know, for his dollar than he was. This is something I did want to talk about earlier. Right. I asked the question about like, what would you recommend somebody uh, to do right now? As far as getting into crypto is absolutely. If you can't afford, if you don't have a lot of money put into it, you can be heads and shoulders ahead of everyone else by learning about it. Download, get some some two dollars of Dogecoin. Give you like I don't know ten thousand of them, and, and just play with that in, in an app. You know, trade it with friends, with people. It's if you've screwed up, it doesn't matter. You lost half a cent, and and learn about the technology. All right, and then when you do have some dollars, some money coming in, start investing in it. But if if you just know about it, 
ahead of everyone else, you're going to put yourself at a great advantage and it'll make you hungry. This is a whole, a whole other side thing. It'll make you hungry to create wealth, to create value. And that will bring so much other better things to your life. When you can show up and work and your job may suck, but when you love the idea of getting some crypto at the end of the day, what you're doing there, you can be motivated about it. You can be into it. You know, that should, that could have compound gains and effects in, in your life in so many other ways. Like there's a big opportunity here with I can crypto. vouch for that one. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. You'll, you'll be, yeah, you'll be I agree with that too. experience with crypto who can get a much better job with people who have wealth and are going to give it to you for, you know, helping them with crypto or whatever, you know, that job is. Seriously. Like if you learn about crypto, when so many people don't know nothing, and then you go to an exchange and only more of them are going to open and say, Hey, let me be a customer support guy for you, you know, and they'll pay you good money with healthcare and you'll work remote and all that stuff. This is just a great opportunity, you know, and you didn't have, you don't have to go to school for that. And everyone's people in the crypto world are falling all over themselves to help you with it. You know, the education isn't just free. People will love to help you. You know, oh yeah, getting a job in crypto. Uh, nobody particularly cares about your uh, education. Nobody because it's so new, right? All, all they care. If you mentioned Bitcoin in 2017, man, you got a job like that, right? I'd yeah, also like to uh, point out that since we were talking about the very first video phone, uh, Jared's video quality, I think he actually has the very first video phone <laughs> because it's some combination of stop motion animation and Minecraft <laughs> that he's coming through in, which is really quite uh, quite something. So I'm just moving so fast, the photons yeah. don't have time. <laughs> right. He's frame independent. He's between the frames, man. Uh, all right. So, so speaking about jobs, I was hoping crypto. to raise a question. Yeah, I'll just for... raise a question. Go ahead. You you made a post on locals before about the the plummeting IQ levels in the West have led to the lowering of emotional self regulation. I wanted to ask the question about the secur securitization of cryptocurrencies. Will the Trojan horse, for your own good arguments for banning it, prove to be more effective over time given the plummeting IQ levels? Um, can you rephrase the question? I'm going to make sure I, I follow it. You made the post on locals. Saying yeah, I remember that. that. The, yeah. Uh, are the we should ban Bitcoin because it's unsafe, because it's terrorist currency, or whatever? Is that going to be more successful over time because of the dropping IQ levels? Oh, oh yeah, no. So uh, let me sort of uh, um, I don't know. There's something about this stupid speaker view that doesn't really work very well because <laughs> I'm speaking and it's not working. But anyway, I'll just do it by hand. All right. So the IQ fall. Uh, and people are saying it's around immigration. And I don't think it's obviously not just to do with immigration. It's a variety of other factors. But so the, the IQ fall, though, doesn't mean that the mob rules. It means that the mob follows, right? Because uh, when you are smart, you tend to be skeptical. Uh, and when you're not so smart, you tend to be, well, you have this certainty. And, and your certainty is very programmable, right? So with the IQ falling, the people who are less smart will generally follow along what the government says, right? I mean, look at the number of people who still believe that, you know, without masks, we'd all be dead, you know? And, and so they will do, so, so the government, of course, is, is very much uh, running a lot of the propaganda that, that is going on at the moment, either directly, uh, but there's three layers in which they do it, right? The first is just directly. Uh, but it's coming out of government agents and so on. The second is certainly here in Canada, you have a bunch of media outlets are getting money directly from the government. So there's that uh, aspect. And the third, of course, is that the government runs the schools, uh, which runs the propaganda, which produces these people who, who are coming out of some conveyor belt, like they're in that old Pink Floyd movie, The Wall. And so the, 
the less smart people in society are much more susceptible to doing what they're told, right? And, be, and, and being absolutely certain that it's the right thing to do. And so I don't think that they're a factor when it comes to what the government wants. And they can also turn on a dime, and it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And like, I'll give you an example, right? So under Trump, we were all treated to endless discussions and, and moral horror and, and shock at, at all of the children in cages uh, on the border, right? The border between America and, and Mexico. All the children in cages, and they've just been treated so badly, and it's just awful. And Trump's. Anyway, so the fact that the photos were mostly from the Obama era didn't really matter. And now you have kids being dropped over the wall, you have kids being assaulted, uh, and, and you have kids being crammed in, in even more reprehensible and horrifying conditions. And this information is easily available. It's not particularly uh, hidden on the internet. It's not like you've got to go to the dark web to get it. And it's completely vanished. It's completely vanished. And people are just like, okay, it's not even a factor. It's not even a thought. It's not even interest. If you look at the incredibly shady and shoddy allegations put against Justice Kavanaugh when he was going out for the Supreme Court by Christine Blasey Ford, where even her own friend said it never happened, there's no evidence, and his, um, uh, his incredibly retained <laughs> calendars proved that it was not the case. Uh, okay, but then you look at Governor Cuomo of New York. He's got, well, like six or seven people, uh, women who've accused him of a pretty pretty serious sexual misconduct. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. It doesn't yeah, exist. Right. And so people would just like, they, they don't have any continuity or throughput or consistency. That's sort of a mark of, of introspection and higher intelligence and, and or maybe just greater curiosity. I don't know exactly what the factors are. And so if the government tells people, uh, if the government wants Bitcoin to look good, then they'll just talk about it looking good. And I think that's every incentive for them to do that for a lot of the people who just want the money, not the psychopathic control over the population. And if the government wants uh, Bitcoin to look bad, then they'll try and make it look bad and, and they'll work on that. And then, of course, but the, the goal is to try and get as much Bitcoin into the hands of as many people as possible. So they have at least a financial incentive to push, push back against it. But um, yeah, so I, I don't view the large, the masses of people as a whole as doing anything other than trailing after the government propaganda. And that's why we want stability in the Bitcoin world or the crypto world. We want to expand its ownership. We want to remind people in power. You know, I'm sure that there are some people who have a lot of power who, you know, probably not watching this directly because uh, they're too busy doing strange things with a voodoo doll and uh, the Bill of Rights. But, you know, to, to, you may watch this at some point and... You know, at, at this point, the, the people in power and us, you know, whereas before we may have been uh, enemies and there's probably a big moral divide or whatever. But right now, you know, uh, the, the, the guys who are in a fist fight uh, and, and they, you know, want to kill each other when the tsunami comes over the horizon, then they both drop the fight and they both run for safety and we can live to fight again another day. But right now, the people in power, it's like the tsunami of, of helicopter money, the tsunami of, of currency degrading money printing is, is upon us. And, you know, we, we can live to fight another day, but we got to get to the lifeboats right now. And uh, you're going to have to push back against the crazy control freaks who just want to watch the world burn. And, you know, you can continue pillaging us. We can set up the farm in some new place and then we can have those wrangles again. Uh, but right now, you, you all need to get behind crypto because it's the only port in the storm. Uh, it's the only place where we can get off the sinking ship. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to uh, join forces uh, briefly, uh, and then we can get back to our fist fight down the road. But right now, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got bigger fish to fry than uh, tax rates and regulations. We have got to, uh, and you know, the more people we can get onto these lifeboats, the better, because the lifeboat is basically infinite. I mean, it's not a great analogy, because um, anybody can get into crypto, anybody can get into Bitcoin. And so from that 
from that aspect, uh, I, I do see us as unfortunate but temporary but necessary allies at the moment. And the people in power who just want resources uh, are going to need to find some way to push back against the really crazy idealists out there who just want to control and destroy people uh, because, uh, you know, otherwise you're going to end up in the water with us. And, you know, to, to really destroy the Titanic analogy, the sharks are everywhere these days. I want to support what you said with this uh, quote. I remember it vaguely. Uh, you, you have to look it up to confirm it. But it was something about you'd rather live under robber barons than bureaucrats who torment you with the approval of their own conscience. Yeah. And I think that's very true. I think that's very true. Oh, yeah. I, I want the money-hungry rulers, right? Because the, the money-hungry rulers will allow you enough freedom so they can keep taxing you. It's the truly psychopathic control freaks who will just grind you into the dust. And, and Cambodia. Because you know, there, there's no economic... You don't look at something like uh, um, Cambodia and say, well, you know what we really need to do? We just need to pull everyone out of the cities and have them pretend to be farmers so that we can all starve to death. You don't look... Chairman Mao didn't sort of come across China in the 1940s and say, oh, you know what we really need to do? We need a mass famine that's going to kill like 50 million people, and that's the best way. I mean, those are the people who are really, really dangerous. The, the, really, the fairly benevolent tax farmers of uh, China for 6,000 years, there was continuity, there was some stability, there were you know, complicated contracts, there were IQ tests, bureaucracy, and all of that. And then the ideologues came along, and ideology is simply the conscience-snuffing cloak that people give for their desire for mass slaughter. And, and it's those people, like you can kind of live in an uneasy coexistence with the people who just want to take stuff from you, but the people who want you dead for, you know, they, they claim ideological reasons, but basically it's just a psychopathic hatred. Yeah, that's, uh, you can't even have an uneasy relationship with those people as, of course, 100 million people under communism could, could, can't testify because they're dead. That's very true. Solzhenitsyn in the Gulag Archipelago says how people use ideology as a justification for atrocities, and it can be quite terrifying. Oh, yeah, they, and you know that they do because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if they say, well, we want a, a better world for the workers. And it's like, oh, dear, you know, 20 million workers just starved to death. They don't sit there and say, oh, well, we should really change that mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, clearly we're not achieving our goal. No, the goal is just a cover. The goal is just a cover for the mass murder. And uh, the, unfortunately, it's just fueled by fiat currency. And so, uh, yeah, because they, they never change their course. You know, if, if I say, hey, I really want to go north, uh, and then you point out to me that I'm heading south, but I still keep going, then clearly my north direction is just a cover, right? It's something else I want to do. I think a lot of their uh, complaints about the energy usage of Bitcoin and Ethereum, or the whole space in general, proof of work in general, is the psychopaths you're referring to kind of laying out feelers. Well, it's just, it? it's just dismissiveness, right? It's just a way to haphazardly say, oh, these guys are bad. Don't, don't, don't invest any yeah, the, in the left this is an old uh it's uh, an old system the left is built up over time when they don't like something they can throw you know it's a environmental effects at it you know if you if you happen to create some wealth or some value in some way shape or form they're going to find some way in which it's evil you've displaced some north american tree frog or something like that um allegedly Allegedly, whatever the case is, you know, it, it, or it's racism or whatever else they can throw at you. So they're just they're flipping over their, their Rolodex of the, the old accusations. And, oh, yeah, environmentalism. We can go after this because right now, this day in general, contemporarily, the left are the bad guys overtly flat out, you know, and this is right out of their camp. Right, I'm just going to think they're going to run the whole. Yeah, but the, I think the good news is that the decentralized nature of crypto 
is perhaps the most powerful weapon that we have to fight state power in a very, very long time. Because if it's decentralized, it's that much harder to get rid of. There's no single actor to go to that makes it easy to stop. Also, that much harder for us to organize, though, as a decentralized That's uh, fair. community. Yeah, it's, so, it's harder to coordinate amongst them. I'm That's sorry. Both. Have, have you ever tried to get freedom fighters to organize? I'm sorry. Is this is something that I, <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of missed? It makes herding cats look like uh, about as simple a, a, a conception as possible. I don't know that a lot of hyper-individualists are ever going to be easy to organize, so that's why I'm so glad there's crypto. I just want to touch on the environmentalist argument against uh, crypto. I recently listened to a very interesting podcast. Anthony Pompliano went on Lex Friedman to discuss Bitcoin. And there he said that the environmentalist argument against Bitcoin is a subjective one. It's Bitcoin uses too much energy. Well, what is too much energy? How much is too much? And who decides where energy should go? Like, I think the U.S. military doesn't have legitimacy to use energy. <laughs> yeah, well, mean, I mean, all, what about Xbox and Netflix and, you know, yeah, compared subjective. to what? And yeah, why aren't exactly. you using the most efficient method of genera- generating that energy, which is obviously nuclear at this point mm-hmm. in time? That's yeah, a fair so. point. Well. They don't give a shit about the environment. That's why. Right. Hey, you know, you 100%. To use reason. They're not listening to reason. It's not going to work. I mean, it's it's they're going to run through this gambit of emotion based arguments. It's going to start with the environment. It's going to go to Bitcoin is racist, and then it's going to go to you know all the the other fifty thousand yeah, things. You they'll always use hear. them all. They'll they'll use all yeah. the excuses, and it doesn't and matter what their they, Thank heavens is. that they are doing that. I think that's absolutely wonderful, and I think we should we should praise them, and we should we should worship them, and we should burn incense to their graven <laughs> images. We should we should love them for doing that. I really think because what they're doing is they're keeping uh, Bitcoin out of the hands of dumb, malevolent, ideological people, right? And and I don't want I don't want the golden treasure of Bitcoin to end up in the hands of dumb, malevolent people. Yeah, right. So I if do. you're like, oh no, it's, it's it, bad for the environment. It's like, okay, well, you 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 don't have the the clear thinking, you don't have the intellect, you don't have the individualism, or even the the naked mammalian resource gathering self-interest it's like okay well i don't want you anywhere near bitcoin at that point like i'm, I'm really really thrilled uh that uh, oh it's racist okay well if you believe this you know double syllable endless curse of that they put on anyone they disagree with fantastic because if if you think that somehow uh, crypto is is racist then i i don't want you anywhere near crypto you you can take the ubi bus into wherever it, it takes you but i'm 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 thrilled that they're using these arguments it's a nice dividing line you know you you know like jared keeps telling me you take your coke man you you put your 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 credit card down the middle you separate just kidding he doesn't say any of that right but you know you you want to separate the stuff i do i i want two kinds of people in crypto the people who are ideological for freedom and the people who have naked mammalian resource gathering stuff because those people are going to be intelligent about using it one for ideological reasons one for material reasons but uh, all of the people who are just like empty-headed zombie mobs charging around on the latest piece of propaganda, uh, I want you to not, uh, you know, I, I, it, it, that would be taking a spray paint to the Mona Lisa. I mean, I guess technically you're painting, but I don't want you anywhere near the, the glories of it. Yeah, I'm just waiting you know for a good sign. I'm just waiting for Al Sharpton to kind of pass away so that way he can't even get in on any lawsuit in regards to racism for it. <laughs> you know, Stefan, the favorite catchphrase of yours that really uh has inspired me is this the road to hell is paid with anti-rationality 
And, and you know, that that's that, that's a perfect manifestation of what you just said. Well, and, and the people who were just resource mammal gatherers, they're, they're rational. I mean, it's not moral. You know, it, it's rational. The same way an engineer building a weapon of mass destruction has to be logical. It doesn't mean he has to be, ra- he has to be rational. It doesn't mean he has to be moral. And so I just, I just want people whose, whose behavior can be somewhat predicted in the space because otherwise they're just going to tear the space to shreds with random behavior. And so I want the, you know, the resource gatherers, fantastic. Let, let's have them in here. Uh, you know, I think they're amoral, but at least they're somewhat predictable. But I don't want a heavy, heavily leverageable, empty-headed mob in there just charging around on the latest propaganda stuff uh, because that's going to make the price uh, very unstable. It's going to make the... Um, uh, and, and so basically what happens is I want resources to accrue to people who are more rational, and uh, I don't want to deny them to people who are less rational. I, I want everyone who's listening to this to, to look into it. But uh, the people who are just, uh, oh, it's racist, I won't go to it. It's like, great, okay, then, then keep your spray cans away from the, uh, the Louvre, and I, I'm very happy. But we don't want enough of them that they run the show. Right. No, no, what, sure. what happens See, when they I'm do just going to point out they're out of arguments. If they're dropping to racism and sexism for a decentralized ledger technology, like, they're, they're, they've lost. But they don't know what it is, though. That's in part why they've gone to environmentalism, because, you know, they bring they bring racism and sexism, and they're like, yeah, get out of here. It's totally decentralized, helps everyone across the world, you know, kiss both cheeks. Come on. We, we all know that the blockchain is white supremacy. I mean, that's all it is. <laughs> all it is. I've, I've heard people say that. that. I got to say, where are all these white supremacists? But that's that's they why. act like you can't swing a stick without hitting one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's if you define it in such a way that anything other than groveling and self abasement and, ha- and self hatred is of white course. supremacy, then good gosh, we're surrounded by them. You know? As with any cult, the there's an out group, they're the source of all evils in the world, yep. and they're everywhere. They're, they're just, just waiting to take you down, race. they can't be negotiated with, so you have to destroy them. Well, and it's like it's like Nazis. There's Nazis under every leaf, but there's actual commies in in uh, as professors and politicians, socialists all across the world. But you know, let's worry about the one Nazi over there. You know? Right, and that's they're why people they're just misunderstood. The yeah, that's why communism won World War II is because they managed to you know win the, the ideological core war and had already infiltrated in the U.S. in what like the 30s or earlier. Yeah. They're still there. I just want I mean, to that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. Yeah, now. I think you guys are being a little anyway, being a little too dismissive about this because it has worked. These arguments have worked. This is why we're in the state that we're in. So we're being a little. What too do you dismissive. mean uh, when you is say the price still going up? Uh, you know, the racist, the environmentalist, all of these arguments has brought society to where it is. Well, it's so. but it's not the arguments though. It's the fact that they control the narrative them they control the media and they educate the children right which is a fact i'm sorry but i'm, I'm we're, 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 on a, we're on a crypto round table here and you you think that the bad guys have won have you seen the price of crypto <laughs> over the last three months the, these arguments of racism the deplatforming has been specifically driving up the price of crypto so um it's the old question of like okay well would you would you accept uh, 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 terrible lies being told about you on Wikipedia if it drove the price of crypto up, I don't know, tenfold. It's like, yeah, I'm, I, I could sell my reputation for that. And <laughs> for this that is going right? so, It's also like, why here in the U.S., why the price of, you know, being able to acquire a gun and all that, you know, that yeah. sort of trade. It's, Amla's a dollar around for nine mil. And it's just absurd. So same thing with crypto. 
this I just want to give a quick shout out. Quick shout out, yo, yo, quick shout out on the issue of racism. I want to give a shout out to a UK YouTuber by the name of King Peter the Virile. Made an excellent video called "Divided We Fall," where he touches on the issue of racial division and how it's being sold by Marxists. Brilliant YouTuber. Look into King Peter the Virile. Just want to give a shout out. Credit where credit's due. You know. I'm saying? already intimidated by the fact that he calls himself the Virile, but I, I am impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed at that confidence. That's a heavy I mean, nutsack that he's carrying in a wheelbarrow there. I would expect I'm nothing sure. less. Well, Stefan, I think all this talk of commies is making us feel bad. Would you mind telling us how much the price of Bitcoin has risen <laughs> since we started? Uh, I think we're up a couple hundred bucks for sure. So, um, no, I mean, one, one. listen, don't, don't. I mean, good lord, don't, don't, don't feel like they won. I mean, yeah, they're they're fighting hard, but uh, again, we've we've got the life raft. You know, it's like, oh my god, they're driving us off the Titanic. It's like, yeah, that's good, man. That that's no, good. You know, I, I, I mean, have an actual life raft this time. Yeah, I mean, it's the old question, would I accept the elimination of my YouTube account, my PayPal account, uh, my Twitter account in return for a tenfold increase in Bitcoin? It's like, eh, I can see that argument. <laughs> I can see that argument. So without Bitcoin, it would be pretty rough, man. But uh, every move that they make that is hostile to liberty, freedom and economic productivity is just going to drive up the price of Bitcoin. So we do have an goal, ace though. up the sleeve, so to speak. Well, and I, 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 I think there's more to it than that. It's it's that evil is inherently self-destructive, especially in the long run. At every time they deplatform someone, they raise the demand for an alternative. And eventually that math leads to their destruction. They're, they're creating a bigger and bigger network of people that they won't do business with. Which well, means I, I can't. I'll give you an example, right? I'll give you an example that I've thought of. I can't imagine why shareholders are not launching lawsuits against corporations that endorse Biden because Biden jacking up the capital, the, the, the corporate tax is going to directly affect their shareholders. And he said he was going to do that. Right. There was no no doubt about that. So uh, if you if you're a, uh, a shareholder and you, your corporation endorsed Biden or, or was pro Biden and so on, I mean, they've just taken a huge amount of money. Uh, out of your shares. And that's fiduciary irresponsibility 101, which is you did an action ahead of time that you knew would drive down the price of shares or drive down the value of the company. But I don't know, maybe the people are given up on the court system. I don't know. I can understand that to some degree, but that's just a, a, a by the by. But uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty strange. Well, All right. Uh, if we, we've got another 20 minutes or so, I'm happy to take some questions if people have. If, if people got a yearning burning, that I've they're got desperate one to get last out of one question. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Okay. All right. So uh, I've had people because I put my website out there. I'm like, folks, get in touch from the roundtable, and people have gotten in touch. And let I me. Mean, some people have gotten in touch with me about uh, scamming. It's something we haven't brought up in the crypto space. Uh, I just want to real quick go over some of the kind of scams out there. What to watch out for. If you go anywhere public and and someone DMs you, like if you're on, on Twitter or whatever like that, people all the time will make accounts of being the Vitalik Buterin or the, the founders of a particular cryptocurrency, someone who's got a face, a name in the industry, they'll DM you and start having a conversation about uh, crypto and it's going to lead to some kind of scam. Um, Do any of us need super, that? Uh, skeptical <laughs> of that. You get uh, a lot of phishing attempts, the very sophisticated phishing attempts where people will have websites that look like Coinbase.com, but one little character is different. You go there, you put in your information, and then it's automatic. It's a script on there, and it automatically goes, logs into your Coinbase account and pulls your stuff, you know, or whatever exchange. You know, I, I've seen that stuff happen before. 
So, and I don't mind if you are skeptical of something, you know, send me an email. I've put my information out there before and I'll take a quick glance at it. It's usually pretty easy to tell the scams. Um, and Twitter, these, the social media companies, they are not doing enough, uh, not doing what they could to prevent it. But uh, just be extra careful about scams out there because uh, when it does happen, when they do convince you to send 50 or $50,000, because I've seen both amounts, um, there's nothing that can be done about it. It's gone. You're never getting it back. And so just be skeptical, be careful, check with other people. And, you know, yeah, that, that's all I've got to say for now. Uh, never click on the link that, or that's type the huge. address in yourself. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's actually that. huge in the miner community right now. There's there's a bunch of scam websites that have these super sophisticated mining technologies and they only accept cryptocurrency. So once you send it, they can just run away with yep. all your shit. Uh, yep. Yeah. I don't think any deaf's audience needs like, the, the scam lecture, though. I agree, it's, yeah. it's very simple to spot these things. Well, no, but look, I've, I've worked customer service. I've seen, like, the bright people can still get, like, it, when you're, especially when you're getting into crypto and it's emotionally kind of like you're on a high. It's just you're, you're really into it. You're ready. I, and, and I've almost been, like, clicked on things myself. And I've, I've worked security. I know better on the other side of stuff. So I, I just know that it can happen. And just what it, like... I, be careful. That's all I'm saying. And and check with somebody else. Get a second, third, fourth opinion. You're better off not doing it if you think there's a, a good chance of a scam. There's plenty of legitimate options. Somebody yeah. has said we should let MK talk. Um, so uh, was there something that you were burning to say or was oh, that just a pass by? Um, yeah, I was going to say, so we just had a contentious election, right? If you could convince the half of the country that's still riled up and you know kind of angry about this, that you know, they voted for Trump as a big F you to the system. You could convince them, hey, just putting a couple hundred bucks into crypto would be a giant F you to the financial system. You know, things would look a lot different, you know, when you wake up tomorrow. That's a that's, damn good point. And that's Very one of the things why, sorry, that's one of the reasons why GameStop is getting so absurd. And that's why that's been so short shorted, you know, to try and counteract the, all the stuff that they've done. Sorry, little girl. Um, and so everyone in there, well, a lot of people I know have GameStop and they're hoping, you know, to crash this thing, well, at least for hedge funds and on that end. But yeah, so, and there's a lot of due diligence that people have done out there to confirm that this really is a thing. So unless, you know, unless they pull something magical, <laughs> oh, sorry, girl. I'm going to have to meet myself, but yeah, anyway. I'm just I, I, a quick bit of advice for the audience in relation to two very interesting books. If you want to, uh, just you need to read this. You need to read this. Mm. If the you want to avoid needing them. to read, if you want to avoid needing to read this, you have to read this. You know what I'm saying? Right, you right. better say what you're you're holding up. There are a lot of audio. Road to serfdom. If you need if, read the road to serfdom. So you avoid needing to read Guerrilla Warfare by Mao Zedong. There you go. You know what I'm saying? Read one to avoid needing the other. Seth, I'd like you to, to give me some uh, sunshine over there because you seem to have a very different perspective than I do on this. And because I definitely can see a future where Bitcoin is worth $1 million and it still does not contribute to a freer world. And you seem to think uh, if Bitcoin... Uh, is worth a lot more money. That means we are winning the That's battle, right. and uh, and we are more free. So, can you help me get to that, uh, you know, mindset? I can, but 
it probably won't be what you think. So I, I'm getting a bit of feedback in my ear. So I'm to take this out. So um, I'll just tell you where I'm at. And, and maybe this will make some sense. This is not to say this is some objective philosophical statement. I'm just telling you where I'm at. Um, I don't care about a freer world anymore. Uh, I care about the world that is freer for, you know, friends, loved ones, family, my daughter, the future. But uh, the, the state, you know, if, if there was some magical way to turn around the state and make it smaller and more reasonable, then we wouldn't ever be able to get rid of it. In other words, if there was some way to make communist workers insanely productive, then communism at least would have an economic argument for it and morality would mean nothing because it would mean that you could achieve at least pragmatic effects, uh, productive effects through evil, which means evil would win over, over good, at least in the productivity race. If there was a way to make slaves massively economically productive, productive, more economically productive than, say, workers in a free market, then you'd still have the moral argument against slavery, but it would be so productive that it would be unstoppable in a way, right? So the government can't be managed, the government can't be controlled. And I think that the goal of Brexit and the goal of Trump was to try and find a way to at least slow the growth of the state. And I think that actually did work. Uh, Brexit, maybe, uh, Trump for sure, did work to slow the growth of the state. He did repeal a lot of regulations. He did get some more small, uh, some more free market guys into the judiciary and various levels and so on. But uh, the, the reason why we can't have a government in the long run is because it will always end this way. There's, there's nothing that can be done to stop it. There's too much momentum. Uh, there's too much self-interest ma uh, masquerading as morality. There's too much sentimentality. There are just too many dumb people or programmed people or people who will resist any kind of truth or reality. There's too much divide. There's too much manipulation from the media. There's too much misinformation in schools. And so for right now, as far as making a freer world, that's after the crash. There's nothing that can be like Bitcoin is not going to push back against the size and power of the state in the long run. But what it will do is it will keep the people who can rebuild a freer society out of harm's way and with resources so that when it comes time to build, like if, if you've just had your country bombed from end to end, this is just an analogy, right? If you're Germany or Japan at the end of the Second World War, you need your engineers. And the engineers better have a lot of authority and a lot of resources because you've got to rebuild. You've got to get your electricity grid back online. You've got to get your sanitation system going. Uh, you've got to get your plumbing and your water treatment facilities. You've got to get back. You need your engineers. You need your farmers. And, and you just need those people. So as far as you know, Bitcoin is going to allow the people who can rebuild to have a significant amount of resources, which means the rebuilding is going to be much faster. Now, I don't mean the rebuilding from some big bombing thing, anything like that. But you're going to have a system, uh, a systemic collapse, without a doubt. I mean, this, this mathematically, the, the world debt is, is so insane uh, at the moment. Uh, the world debt is, what, 335% of world GDP? I mean, it's completely insane. And so that system uh, was done and dusted uh, when I was born, probably before, long <laughs> not on the day of, but probably before I was born, that system is, is done and dusted. It's, uh, it's toast. And so for me, uh, the Bitcoin is, doesn't of itself, uh, blockchain doesn't fight bullets. It doesn't fight armies. It doesn't fight tanks or anything like that. But what it can do is move resources to the people who are smart and wise enough to rebuild society in the image of the non-aggression principle, into the image of a truly free stateless society, and, you know, the goal, of course, in the long term was to do it multi-generationally through peaceful parenting. Uh, things have moved a little uh, faster, COVID, of course, hitting the gas that much more because of that. So to me, 
uh, Bitcoin simply says that the smartest and the wisest people and the most forward-looking people, I mean, as you know, the, the returns just on Bitcoin over the last 10 years have been 200% a year. 200% a year. And the people who listen to me or, or to others who were talking about it in 2010, 2011, probably done all right. And I care about those people. I care about the tribe of the smart and the virtuous. As far as the world and society, uh, I will tell you, quite frankly, I give about as much of a shit about society as society has given about me. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't mean a lot. It's a, it's a chillingly reciprocal relationship, right? I've always said, you know, treat people the best you can. When you first meet them, after that, treat them as they treat you. That is an unstoppable, unlosable proposition for dealing with the world. And I put absolutely all my muscle energy and a huge amount of personal risk and safety sometimes into trying to reason with the world. And then I was uh, lied about, I was slandered, I was deplatformed, and the world is like, okay, uh, he's gone. That's okay, because there's another cat video in my queue uh, on YouTube. And that's fine. Honestly, I've said this before. That's, I'm just an empiricist. I'm just, I'm just eating information like Pac-Man and the glowing dots, which is I care about the people who care about me. I care about my family. I care about my friends. Uh, I care about a community of, of reasonable people. I want to make sure that they have the maximum amount of resources to come through the coming storm. I'm handing out umbrellas to friends. I'm not just handing them out to anyone. And this is why the fact that it's more tight-knit community now, I think, has real value. And the fact that I've been cut off from broadcasting to a large degree to the world as a whole, it has real, real value. So uh, if, if this helps with you at all, it's my perspective. I'm not saying it's right or, or objective. I'm just telling you sort of my perspective that uh, it's, it's like the people, oh, my gosh, don't you care about the, the, the people, uh, the kids at the border? And it's like I, I, I simply refuse to care more about people's children than their parents do. Like, I simply, I will not do it. And I will not care more about children than their own parents do because that's simply used to manipulate and control me. And I will not uh, continue to sacrifice safety and security in order to protect people who have no interest in protecting or respecting me. Now, the people in this conversation, you may probably don't agree with me on, on everything. I, I certainly don't agree with me on everything. But I hope that you will at least understand that when I come to talk about, uh, you know, Bitcoin can save the world, it's not by saving everyone in the world uh, or saving all the freedoms which are currently under siege, because we're going to lose those over time. There's, there's some, it, it's always a losing battle, right? It's always like, oh, well, we managed to slow down the latest gun grab or, you know, we managed to push back six months against vaccine passports. But it's, it's just a, it's a losing battle. It's like just trying to prop something up in a windstorm. It's just not going to uh, win's going to win. Wind's going to take it at some point. But I do care about people having resources and mobile, mobility, right? Because those are the two things that you need. You, you need to be mobile and you need to have resources. If all you have is land, you can't take that anywhere. If all you have is real estate, you can't take that anywhere. Even gold is tough to transport. But if you have crypto, you're mobile and you have resources. Those are the people that I care uh, about uh, saving uh, because those are the people who've helped me out. Uh, those are the people who've, who've helped me gather some resources and mobility. But as far as saving the world as a whole, I mean, it's not... That's not possible. It's not feasible. And at this point, for me at least, even if I could, uh, it's not morally desirable because it violates the principles of reciprocity. That is the foundation of any healthy relationship. So um, I, I hope that helps. Whether that convinces anybody of anything other than my own perspective is up to you. But that's <laughs> those are my thoughts. I'm happy to get your guys' thoughts on that as well. And I think it bleeds into something that you said. Like the, oh. This raises the question of the validity of accelerationism. Is it, should we just accelerate the collapse or should we 
Like, I, I, because there's elections coming no. up in my area, so I'm like, <laughs> we're not ready for a collapse. Well, hang on, hang on. What makes well, this you is think a big topic? Control, what makes you think we have any control over this process at all? It's like saying, should should we should we make this, the the communist workers less efficient? It's like that. That's a process going to happen whether we like it or not. That is a I'm process that occurs regardless of our input. Like voting patterns, for example, there's elections coming up in my area. Should I vote for the leftist party to accelerate the demise, or should I try and make a stand? I, I, you're assuming that your vote even matters. This matters. Yeah. This matters because this comes up at like the Free State Project, and it's it's an idea. Okay, do we? Uh, do we? So the position is: Do we accelerate the des- demise of the state or not? And the analogy I like to go to is: We're on a sinking ship. Should we be getting people off the ship and helping get off the ship, or should we be poking more holes in the ship in the meantime? I mean, then that's obviously I'm more of a like you know, let's do what we can because the ship's going down no matter what. We know that, mm-hmm. okay? So it, so I'm more on the side of let's get people off the ship, and so. Philosophically, if you convince people that it's better to sink the ship, that's also a shorter time horizon. They live riskier. They take bigger risks with themselves. They go. uh, It's just. uh, Sorry, I'm not. I know I'm not doing this this case justice. I hope someone else. Brian, the lifeboats aren't ready. They're they're not ready yet. (laughs) We have to to stay on the ship for a while. Because we're not ready for a collapse. Well, Bitcoin's not ready for a collapse. If that's what we're talking about, we're talking about Bitcoin, right? And so I, I echo Steph's sentiments that. I don't care about the world necessarily. I care about some people and I care about, uh, you know, my immediate friends and family and, and freedom loving people. Um, but let's just take this group, for example, our little group of whatever we have, 12 people here, uh, 16, um, and our extended families and friends network. So maybe a hundred people. If, if the financial system collapsed right now, Bitcoin would not work for us at all. Uh, it would not create, so the, the whole purpose, if we step back, the whole purpose of money is to coordinate <clears throat> economic activity. So I have my skills, you've got your skills, he's got his skills, and we can co- collaborate and cooperate and exchange uh, our goods and services. And that makes you know life much better, right? If we had to do everything on our own, we'd just be, we'd die. So we need this economic coordination, but but Bitcoin. So you need transactions for that. If if Bitcoin can't, you know, if we're paying ten bucks a transaction, it's not even worth it anymore. So we've got also the network not ready. We've got right. a lot of options you, other than Bitcoin right now. No, I get that. I'm <laughs> I totally agree with you. But there. the infrastructure is not there, ready to take over. That, that's what that's what he's saying, right? Well, well no, I mean we, something uh, that I have learned over time. The internet. You know? Guys, this you have to step back. This is it's in its infancy, right? We're basically looking yeah. at 1995 internet where you're using dial-up. Right, that's the so whole. We're point. saying, hey, we're not ready to do like HD streaming. It's like you're right. Not, <laughs> but, <laughs> that's what I know. said. Yeah. But okay, what makes, makes anybody? Sense. And again, I'm I'm certainly happy to hear these arguments, but there's nothing that anybody, uh, unless you guys have some secret superpower capes, I'm not aware of. There's nothing that any of us can do to either speed it up or slow it down. I mean, vote for the left. Yeah, well, that. No, but the votes. I mean, <laughs> I, did. I mean, look, there's, there's lots of people who voted for Trump, and uh, you know, even if you don't believe that anything hinky happened with the election machines themselves, which you know may turn up at some point or not, but uh, I mean, the election was definitely um, rigged 
because you had massive tech companies uh, suppressing the Hunter Biden story and and all of this kind of stuff and and uh, lying about Russia collusion and lying about the fine people hoax and lying and saying that Trump told people to drink bleach and, and like I mean so the, the whole election um, was was kind of nonsense uh, anyway and you know they they it, it happened once the idea that it's going to happen again uh, they learned their lesson and uh, there's not going to be. Uh, anything going forward. And as far as voting goes, I've said this before, I mean, the mass immigration that, that's happening is means that there's no functional conservative movement left in the West anymore, right? Because the, the immigrants are going to vote left as they have always done and as they're designed to do. And as I've always said, if, if uh, immigrants from Mexico voted for Republicans, the Democrats would build a wall visible from space with like tigers and, and alligators and lasers and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I personally, I'm just I, I this is my big step back from politics that I've done over the last sort of seven or eight months, which is uh, I think it's an interesting thing to observe. Uh, I, do, I find it interesting to to read about. But mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, one, one vote, you know, we all know the um, uh, Brian Kaplan wrote a book, The Myth of the Rational Voter. Uh, so the idea <laughs> that, you know, one vote or another, uh, it's going to make any particular uh, difference. Uh, I would say take take the time you'd spend into researching politics and research crypto or talk to your friends about crypto or what I think that's to me uh, where the energy would be uh, better spent. Would be better spent. Well, well something that I've learned over time as well is I, I used to be very focused on politics. I used to be, you know, do, doing all sort of stuff. But now that I've uh, as I've changed my focus, <laughs> Yeah, I've changed my focus. I've been able to realize um, actual. <laughs> that's right. Actual economic. She's very excited about crypto. She is. Toddler, she toddler. is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been She's able to realize. To look at me, somebody who looks exactly like a giant bearded thumb. I mean, look at that. <laughs> indistinguishable. Uh, yeah, I've just been able to realize actual changes for myself and my family, as opposed to okay. I, you know, didn't go to Capitol Hill on January 6th. That wouldn't have done anything if I I would have probably been in a situation by getting myself, you know, who knows, put in a jail or who knows whatever they could have pulled off. But now I've been able to, I've been able to focus on investing in crypto, investing in temporarily, at least in good stocks on a temporary basis. I've been able to focus on Oh, you said the stock market, man. I mean, that makes her upset. <laughs> self-improvement, self-knowledge. That's one thing I found to be incredibly invaluable is that self-knowledge. I think Steph has talked about it a whole lot. And <laughs> Once or twice. <laughs> and that's yeah, something so I've been putting into it's myself. It's the difference between the illusion of making a difference versus actually making a difference. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, I can mention offhand to my brother-in-law i could mention to him because he's he's doing pretty decent himself but he has no investment whatsoever in crypto as far as i can tell i could make him pretty darn rich if he were to listen to me but that's you know it's up no, to but him you can choose you can choose if you want if you care about him you can choose to buy on his behalf Right and and then just hand it to him as a gift, right? I mean, Max, mm-hmm. Max Kaiser style. No, seriously, Ooh, you idea. you can't if you want, right? You don't have to rely on somebody else. Um, you know, if if you think that someone's going to need a kidney transplant, you can just go buy one, <laughs> put it put it in your fridge. Oh, you know what I mean? Like you you can buy on his behalf, and then later he can just give you the fiat back for it or something like that. So there's there's things that you can do if you if you care, uh, of course, right about about people. So. Oh, before we go, I'd like to ask a question. So or to the roundtable in general. Uh, how can people get involved 
in this community? How, how would you recommend? Because you know, there's a few things you have to learn to even be able to do this. How, what app do you use to? How do you get Bitcoin? Transact in Bitcoin, and how do you help? How do you identify like, companies that are even working in this space so that you can give them support? I, I'm going to, sorry, just interrupt. It's just a great question. And I would, in general, though, just really suggest that people look that stuff up online because I've always been hesitant and people always say, oh, what should I use? What service? What wallet? And this, I don't want to recommend anything in particular because um, who knows what's going on behind the scenes. You, everybody's got to make their own decisions. And uh, you know, if something does go wrong and I've recommended something, then that's not particularly good. So I would just say, in, in general, do your own research. It's pretty easy to buy crypto. I mean, you, you can download apps on your phone. You can uh, you know, just look up who's reputable. And you, know, you can look at the number of downloads. You can read the reviews. You can look, like, you look online for reputation. Just about every company has a you know, review of, of some kind. And it's pretty easy. Uh, to to get into it these days. I mean, back in the day, you had to meet people in a parking lot with a <laughs> you know, bag over your head and stuff, right? And um, so I, I would, you know, it, it's pretty easy to get into these uh, kinds of things. Uh, and again, you don't just have to look into Bitcoin. There's tons of other cryptos. There's, there's Tezos, of course, Ethereum. There's the Doge meme things and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, just, just you know, it's, it's pretty low barrier to entry compared to how it used to be. I'm sorry, Ferry, do you want it to say? Algorand. Maybe What's worth that? looking in. It's a very interesting new cryptocurrency uh, developed by Silvio Micali. Again, I found out about it from Lex Friedman's podcast. He's a Turing Award-winning computer scientist from MIT, I believe. Very intelligent man. And I like what he had to say, so I bought some Algorand just to hodl it for a few years and see what happens. Would you describe him as virile? <laughs> no, I would not. Not okay. from personal So you, you broadened out... out from the you're in a post-virile situation okay yeah i'd recommend it is the easiest thing ever ready if you're whatever internet browser you're using right now switch over to brave it builds up the bat on the side there it gives you an, uh, an uphold account which is just a wallet for it and then from there you could swap it in whoever you want if you want to go, go straight into bitcoin go for that if you want to go one of the newest you know whatever doge or who knows you know something up and coming Go for it. Yeah. Over a month, I made enough bat to cover the gas costs for one transaction. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you I'm guys really confused. into a discussion about gas prices again on Ethereum? Uh-oh. Oh, don't, don't uncork the beast. Do not uncork the beast. Dude, I'm currently working with Jared to try and... Stefan have to go to anger management. Let's not do this again. <laughs> there, there is no course that will manage that level of anger. Like I'll need an entire team and some horse tranquilizers and even that will only take the edge off it. So yeah, Ethereum, get your shit together. I'm telling you, man, uh, it's, uh, it's bad. Philip wanted to jump in. Yeah, yeah, I got what could be useful. So in terms of, you know, progressing into a stateless society and, and, you know, combating the state and things like that, I think it's probably important to remember that it's about 2000 years from Socrates to the enlightenment. And we're probably in this group, thanks to Steph, a little bit closer to the Socrates side of it. So prepare for the long haul, man. I mean, the stateless society is inevitable, but it's not inevitable in your lifetime. So best thing you can do is get to uh, 2,000 years worth of crypto. Well, in the case, this case that Steph has always made, like you can live this in your personal life. You don't have to get everyone else, everyone in the world on it. And that's like, that's life changing. If you're trying the, the impossible battle of changing the world, that's a, that's a path to misery. 
versus uh, you, you can live it in your own life. You know? Well, that's why peaceful parenting is the vehicle, right, Stefan? You, you've said, made that case for many years. It's uh, it's certainly uh, it's going to need to happen before before anything else. Otherwise, we're just going to end up reproduce crashing and reproducing, which would be a real real shame. Let's just start and rewind and watch rewind the horror movie and think there's going to be a different uh, ending. All right. Any other last thoughts, comments, promotions, websites, uh, pet uh, pet projects? Anything you want to mention? Go for it, Farid. Uh, yes. 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 yes, yes Can yes, I just yes. rehash something? That's Sorry, uh, Farid uh, had his hand up first. Go for it, man. I just want to rehash what you said before about uh, immigrants who come in voting for the left. And it's, I just want to back up what you said. It's worth asking yourself why leftists don't want white South Africans or Arab Christians moving as refugees to the West, even though they are two of the groups on earth that might have a, a legitimate claim to refugee status. Right. It's worth Thank asking you. yourself. Amen. Yeah, we'll all we'll all we'll all meet up in the Alps when Switzerland legalizes Bitcoin in perpetuity. But anyway, uh, okay. Uh, anybody else wanted to mention something? Jared, go ahead. Yes. So I've been I've talked about in the community and on here before starting a uh, Tezos staking service on Steph's behalf, and uh, so I'm going to move forward with that. I've got enough people like letting me know they've got some Tezos. So if you're interested, you can go to jaredwitter.com, and from there, I'm sorry, I don't know the link off the top of my head, but you can find. Uh, it'll like one of my blog posts references how to like where how to how to get this going where where uh, where I'm at with it. Uh, roughly, it should take about a month for me to get this up and running. And the way this will work is it won't effectively cost you anything in the sense that with Tezos, um, you don't have to run the staking operation yourself. You can from your wallet stake to uh, these people who compete with each other for you to stake your coins to them. What happens is uh, they offer a, 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 a to take a fee, so they're going to keep like 10% of the rewards and give you 90% back or whatever. It's like Coinbase charges like 20 or 25%. Some people charge as little as 5%. Um, and so I'm, I'm probably going to go 10%. And that 10%, instead of me keeping that like I normally would, that'll go to Steph minus whatever I have to keep to cover like my tax implications and stuff like that. And man, if you're an accountant or you know some way to make this work better to where I can make sure Steph gets more of it, by all means, please, please reach out because I would love, love for that to happen. Yeah, but yeah, great. stay tuned. 30 days, free domain. Uh, staking for Steph is what I'm going with right now. Thank you. One, um, one thing that I have to say as well is yeah, the Timeless book, it's called, it was written in 1928, The Richest Man in Babylon, still applicable today. I'm starting to, you know, relive it. My granddad told me about it 10 years ago, and it seems to be working. That Just was the second adapt. finance book I read. It's fabulous. Mm -hmm. That Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Absolutely incredible books. All right. Grab your mic if you've got a last thing to I've say. Got, i got one thing to say. Um, just answering. I can't remember who asked it now, actually. But uh, what, what we can do to uh, make this go forward. I would say the best thing you can do is is get a job when you're where you're earning crypto. Um, I think the the thing that the state has going for it right now, um, more than anything almost, is that the state employs people. Um, at least, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 percent of people, maybe even more, uh, earn money from the state fairly directly. Um, and that's why they have. That's why the state has their loyalty, because that's the that's the hand that feeds them. And that's why it's so hard to get traction with with crypto with some people. Is it's 
it just kind of goes against that subconsciously. But once people are earning their, their incomes in crypto, then they don't need the state. They don't need the Fed. They don't need those institutions. They're, uh, they're independent. So that's what I've done, and that's what I recommend for everybody. There's a lot How of would you recommend actually doing that? Well, I don't know. So there are a lot of, I can't remember the site right now, but there's, there's a site that basically lists a bunch of uh, cryptocurrencies that have the so-called treasuries where they've got a ton of money and they're paying people to do uh, work in the crypto, in that specific uh, cryptos uh, scene. So there's well, billions, I'm sorry to interrupt. There's billions Anthony of dollars Pompli- available. Anthony Pompliano, I think, has a website of crypto jobs, and I assume a lot of those would you could get paid in crypto. I can't remember the name if anyone remembers, but he's the guy who, like, you can't get a picture of him not smiling to save your life. Um, I'm not sure what kind of uh, vibrating cactus he's sitting on, but it's really quite impressive, and he seems like a pretty pretty good guy. Right, oh, raise yourself, guys. It is crypto.jobs. <laughs> no, I don't think that's it. No, that's, that's not it. That's, well, that's totally one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so that, that, that's a trick jobs. question, isn't it? You, yeah, yeah. You're trying yeah. to mess with us. Too obvious. Crypto.jobs. All right. Uh, anything Billions else? of dollars available. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It is, there's also pompcryptojobs.com. I imagine that's the one that Anthony Pompliano. Uh, pompcryptojobs.com. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, so much. A great pleasure to chat with you guys today. I'm, I'm glad to get uh, get the word out. And uh, if you want me to include any links, uh, just let me know before I publish the show. And uh, I hope we can do it again uh, at some point soon. It's kind of tough to find the right time for everyone. There's lots of different time zones and so on. But uh, yeah, a great, uh, great. I really, really appreciate you guys lending your expertise to this because, uh, I mean, it's a lot more than I am in certain areas. And, and that's hugely important. Thank you so much for the listeners for dropping by and have yourselves a great great evening lots of love from up here and uh take care bye thank you good night